0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I sense of theme here. Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. Uh, thanks for downloading, listening to uh, the podcast of the Gary and Shannon Show. Now, if you want to listen to it live, you can do so every weekday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. in the greater Los Angeles area on KFI AM 640. Or you can go onto the iHeartRadio app and just type in KFI and listen live, listen to old shows, etc. Make sure that you subscribe not only to this podcast, and share it with all your friends, but the pre-post podcast as well, which is bonus content that we can't do on the air for legal purposes. I've tried to be fair to you, creatures.
1: Now my patience has reached its end. Tell me, or I'll round re- up a gumdrop button. All right, then. Who's hiding them? Okay, I'll tell you. Do you know Gary? The modern Man. Gary Hoffman. Yes. Shannon. Tell me if you've seen her. She always brings a racket, like Venus and Serena. Oh. Shannon Farron. This is about to get weird. Gary and Shannon.
2: Let's begin this new chapter together, and let's start the work right now. And come
3: All those meatballs! I can't even wrap my head around how good that food was.
0: And did you see the way to eat the meatballs? The way I come—the the Tostitos bowl, the little scooper Yay. with a single meatball in it.
3: Why didn't you tell me this yesterday? I
0: did. I did. I thought I made the demonstration for everyone. I did, I did not see it. Yeah. I did
3: not see the demonstration.
0: Um, there are still some little smokies. If you those will.
3: were terrible. Those were the worst thing I've ever tasted. But I, I think it's probably they were terrible. I've never made Little Smokies before, and uh, now I'm never going to make them again.
0: I did love it. This was fantastic. You brought your own crock pot because ours was busy with the meatballs. Yeah. But you also brought your own measuring cups. Well, I didn't the- know
3: if uh, Shannon would be using <laughs> your measuring cups for something else at the same time that I would be using the measuring cups, So I just didn't. I, I was trying to be hassle free.
0: so Fantastic. Uh, the Gary and Shannon show. It's Monday, February 4th. We're going to get into some Super Bowl stuff at the bottom of this hour. We are going to we are going to talk about what I think has been w- one of the weirdest uh, political theater moments in the last 72 hours. And that's uh, Governor Ralph Northam of Virginia.
3: OK, so there have been so many press conferences where you feel bad for the wife, right? The wife who's standing oh, beside the, Elliot the, Spitzer's
0: the, is the, Elliot
3: Spitzer's wife look like Captain Phillips. I mean, the wives are always just standing there supporting their husband who's going through something in the media. And usually it's an affair. I felt worse for this wife than any of the guys that cheated on their wives. Yeah, because this guy is terrible. Everything he said was getting progressively worse as he was trying to explain away dressing up in blackface in the 80s.
0: Yes. And, and we, they were just showing a part of this news conference from Saturday morning where the governor was standing up there explaining, uh, I don't believe that I'm the guy in blackface and I don't believe I'm the guy in the KKK hood. But there was one time where I dressed up as Michael Jackson and won a dance contest with blackface,
3: and that, and that's because I learned to moonwalk. Well,
0: and the reporter then asked, "Can you
3: still moonwalk?" <laughs> Can you still moonwalk? And, <laughs> and he looks over at his wife, and she shakes him off. Yeah, like, bad pitch, bad pitch. <laughs> uh, anyway, we'll get into that coming up at, at the bottom of the hour. Also, the plane crash over
0: over the weekend. Oh, and your Belinda, the the idea that you could see I mean that pieces of this airplane hit several homes. Uh just terrifying. There was also a a good um, sort of a cold case that was never intended to be a cold case. It was just it was a theft of some architectural treasures that were currently being watched by USC and nobody told the police about it. Nobody told the police about the hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of rare furniture uh, including Frank Lloyd Wright lamps that went missing, and nobody decided. Anyway, we'll talk about that next hour.
3: Ratings ten year low. Uh, many people calling Duh. it the worst Super Bowl ever, the most boring Super Bowl. And I think that it's because most people who watch the Super Bowl are not usual NFL consumers. They want a video game. They want the they want the fifty four to fifty two Chiefs yeah. matchup. They, Exactly. Um, There was great defense played yesterday.
0: There was. And we talked about this on Friday. Going into it, the way the New England Patriots beat you is by boring you. I mean, they're they're just they're good at what they do. And they, you know, Bill Belichick knows how to pick apart the opposing team, whoever it might be.
3: You know, and let's not forget he got his start as a defensive coordinator. That Patriots defense is better than advertised. So Sean McVay is not the second coming of Christ. Can we put that to bed now? Yeah, I. uh, Can we can we put to bed the uh, Jared Goff parade party?
0: Somebody. I
3: felt bad for that kid.
0: Somebody uh, put together a video of him during the national anthem, during Gladys Knight singing, and they said Jared Goff was terrified going into this. That you could look, you could see the expression on his face where he was terrified, like shaken.
3: He did look because he knew that this was
0: the Super Bowl. Like somebody finally told him hey, you're playing in the Super Bowl. And that's
3: the thing. That's why Belichick and Brady always hold the advantage is because they've literally been there before over and over and over again. And you can say all day long that it's just another game. We're preparing for it just like we would the, another game. That's not true. You go to Super Bowl week, the hype it starts sinking in. You've got two weeks. It's like a kicker getting frozen. You've got two weeks to let it sit, in, sink in. Yeah. That this is the biggest game of your life, possibly of your career, <laughs> of all the things riding on it, of all the hype. You're reading your own press. If you're if you're Jared Goff and Sean McVay and and. There's just a calm that Belichick and Brady have at this level that you're not going to have with a 33-year-old head coach and a 24-year-old quarterback at the helm.
0: Right. Plus, I mean, you think about it, to that end, they're they're just probably boring to them. What do you do in the first weekend of February? Uh probably the Super Bowl. I got to go. Yeah. Wherever it might be. They know
3: all about what to expect. They know the the questions the media is going to ask. They know about all the availabilities they have to do. They knew about all the hype and the commercials they shoot. They they know about it. So nothing's catching them off guard.
0: Yeah. Uh it was an it wasn't a great game. It was fun. If your party was good, congratulations. Like you you won the day because you weren't distracted by an exciting football game um but the commercials were also nothing i they mean they were so the only one that i that i weak the, stream. that i wanted to watch again was that nfl 100 yeah
3: that was incredible in fact we have a breakdown of, of how they were able to get all those players in on that super bowl commercial we'll do that when we come back um because that was really the the one winner of the day that everyone's still talking about i've watched it like 5 times yeah. to try and pick up who everybody is and all the conversations and all
0: of that. We were, we were saying last night, we were trying to remember, having only seen it once, who did Joe
3: Montana throw the ball to? Well, and, and it, here's the thing. He got he gets picked off by Deion Sanders. Right. He never got picked off in the Super Bowl. Oh, boy. Kind of upset me.
0: Well, did you see there's a, there's another meme going around that's, uh, that's Joe Montana, the argument uh, between he and Tom Brady for greatest of all time, and... It's Joe Montana saying, "Listen, I won four Super Bowls. I owned those games. Yes, I didn't have radio in my helmet. I didn't have you know rules that protected the right. passer or protected the receivers. Right. I called my own plays in the huddle. That sort of thing. It was, it was very well done. I mean, yes. it's, it's I think I think, I think
3: the debate lives. The, on, the debate lives on after Brady's performance yesterday. Sure, not great. All right, Gary and Shannon, with your chance of a thousand dollars coming back,
0: Gary and that's." Uh,
3: Amy King. Sorry, I, I didn't
0: show up to <laughs> rehearsal today. I was late. <laughs>
3: but I was wear, told you did wear your tank top, so thank you for that.
0: <laughs> my my couch uh, fabric inspired tank top. <laughs> Wait,
3: aren't you? Are you going to be taking it off later? Maybe uh, I have oh to gosh. get my
0: tattoos retouched first, <laughs> but uh, but eventually we'll see.
3: At least it would. There was a big California.
0: Uh, yeah. Go Rams. Okay. All right. <laughs> Gary and Shannon, on uh, Super Bowl flu day. I mean, you had to do something to to make that game entertaining, didn't you? Didn't you, Fireball? Right? Hey, uh, it's time for us to give away 1000 bucks. Here's how you can win it. Win a $1,000 right now.
1: Text the nationwide keyword COFFEE to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's COFFEE to
0: 200-200. And you know how this goes. If you win, you'll get a phone call from a number you probably don't recognize. If you don't answer it, they'll give it to uh, somebody else. They'll call somebody else and give them $1,000. But... You have another chance an hour from now, every hour during our show, and the John and Ken show all the way through the first hour of the Conway show are giving away 1000 bucks an hour.
3: Tom Brady and Julian Edelman have made it to Disney World. Did you just see the unbridled joy of Tom Brady's daughter <laughs> yes. with that Lombardi? That was very sweet. Well, we're talking about the commercials. I think my least favorite commercial that I was paying attention to was The Whispering. The Whispering.
0: Yeah, that's a thing. I knew going into that 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 was going to be a disturbing...
3: I fell down the hole of those uh, Don't. videos.
0: Don't do that. And I was traumatized. Talk about a sunken place. That you... Yeah. Yeah. No. That's a... It's like a... strange
3: women whispering on YouTube?
0: That's all. And they make a lot of money doing it.
3: So are people turned on by it? Or Some is of it, them might soothing? be.
0: Some people think it's soothing. Uh-huh. It like, wasn't
3: even like sexy or anything. It was just
0: odd. Oh, Amy. Oh, Amy.
3: A lot of people find I think sex people, in that. Yes, okay. a lot of people. Yeah. And
0: she's an attractive. I mean, Who is Zoe she? Kravitz? Yeah, yeah she's pretty. She, she's Lisa Bonet. She looks exactly like Lisa Bonet, but she's Lisa Bonet and uh, Lenny Kravitz's daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's very pretty. But- she's got
3: a great voice. I just don't want to hear anyone whispering to me. Ever. Ever? Ever. No whispering. Okay.
0: And what was your message? Full volume. Full. Volume. <laughs> her message was drink that beer. I don't remember what beer. Oh, it was. Oh, that's
3: right. It was Michelob Ultra. It that's was. what it was. Yeah. It
0: was. yeah. But um, that was yeah. That was an odd.
3: What'd you think of the Stella Artois? That was cute. Except I... that it was because Stella's doing it because they're um, they're funding like clean water programs in developing countries. But that didn't come across. That, no, that's why they that's, chose the Stella instead of their signature drink. And that was a
0: problem with uh, that was a problem with the go uh, the Groupon from a couple of years ago. Remember when they were doing?
3: I never remember what they're Timothy advertising.
0: Timothy Hutton talking about the you know the people in Tibet. Oh, yes, but they've got a great yes chicken vindaloo or whatever it was. I went
3: home and watched uh, Sex in the City reruns. No, you because didn't. I missed Carrie Bradshaw. No, you. didn't. Nobody did.
0: said that. Ever. I did
3: that. I did that yesterday. No, you didn't. So the best one was the NFL 100 one, and NFL's new chief marketing officer is a guy by the name of Tim Ellis, and he's talking about how that came to be. He says he came to the league from the video game industry last September, and he said, when I came on board, I felt like we needed to take a new communications direction. I had the best agencies in the country compete for our business, and... 72 and Sonny won the business. That's the ad agency's name, 72 and Sonny. I wonder where they're based out of. <laughs> <laughs> he said, we wanted a big ad to kick off the NFL's 100th season, and they said they could get this ready for next fall. And I said, no, I want a Super Bowl spot. We want it for the Super Bowl. And he says the, turn- uh, the turnaround was incredibly fast. And nearly 50 NFL stars in that. And I mean, the biggest stars. It's a a black tie banquet and and they're celebrating football and it starts with Roger Goodell at the podium and he's yapping about the importance of the game. And then you see the camera pan to show Dick Butkus, Mean Joe Green, Domica Sue, Peyton Manning, Alvin Kamara, Drew Brees, Michael Stray. I mean, it's really a who's who of past, present and and future.
0: It was it was brilliantly done. I mean, it starts off with um, with. Marshawn Lynch leaning over to, you know, he's the only one not wearing a suit, just like in the pregame. Yes. Uh, He leans over to grab uh, like a swipe at the frosting and knocks the golden football off this cake. Mike Singletary, greatest scene in that whole thing is when he takes his, rips his glasses off and he yells, "Fumble!"
3: With that crazy Mike Singletary look in his eyes.
0: Perfect. So they get uh, get all, you know, these all of dozens of uh, the greatest football players past and present, the, the three... Uh, Miami Dolphins that are sitting there with their green jackets From the 72
3: season. So perfect.
0: Uh, All the way down to the high-profile names from this season, including Sarah Thomas, the down judge, the the female down uh, judge, and... Sam Gordon, who I hadn't seen, I this had to before. Google
3: that. Sam Gordon was the little girl who I guess went viral in a 2009 video. She played running back, and she's the only girl on the boys' team. And apparently, she's become a bit of an NFL act or a girls' football activist. She yeah. Filed like t- Title Nine.
0: Yeah, and she, and she, Richard Sherman, I think it was, walks up to her. and He's like, "Can I have that back?" And yeah. she's like, "You want this? You want yeah. this? Yeah, yeah." Got to take it from me, or whatever she says, and then runs past him. It was just so well done. The problem is. How do you get dozens of NFL players, past and present, in one place at one time?
3: They said that the spot was taped in the middle of the playoffs and that the, the guy, the chief marketing officer, had some, some fake banquet rooms with tight shots. And they, they, built, the, the, they built this room, this, this banquet room, in, in Los Angeles, in Boston, in Orlando.
0: Yeah, and they would have – so, I mean, the majority of them were here in L.A., but then they had to go to Boston and film the piece with Tom Brady and And Baker Baker Mayfield where (laughs) he takes off his rings and he goes, hold hold these, and he goes up and and makes his play. Then Patrick Mahomes – Flew to Florida to do his piece with uh, Russell Wilson. With Russell Wilson.
3: Uh, my one of my, one of my favorite parts of it is when Patrick Mahomes makes no look, no look pass to Odell Beckham, who catches it with the one hand and crashes into a table. I mean, it's really great. You got to watch it several times to get all the nuggets.
0: They also give extra credit. They say to Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara because they do their piece in New Orleans just after they lost that heartbreaker to the Rams. You can
3: tell on Drew Brees' face in that ad. <laughs> Peyton Manning was booked solid on the days it was being taped in L.A., but found a way to make it to the set, did his part in, in 90 minutes.
0: By the way, also, for some reason, they're just literally seconds. Each little snippet is just seconds, but it was so perfect. Yes. Because Peyton Manning throws it, and then uh, somebody goes, yeah, still got it. And he goes, oh, that, that hurt. Yes. <laughs> That's great. It was a really well, the small highlight in what otherwise was a, a pretty boring television show.
3: Well, the press conference, it's getting all of the attention over the weekend and into today was the press conference in Virginia with the governor, who is getting a lot of hell for a blackface incident from the 80s. The lieutenant governor in Virginia now is under fire for an old sexual harassment allegation or assault allegation. We'll tell you everything you need to know.
0: Gary and Shannon will continue.
3: Oh, oh, oh hang an anchor from the sun there's a million city lights
4: but you're the one
3: you're the reason
1: i'm still open dawn just to see your face will be
3: going strong. gary and shannon some more rain for us today we belong
0: away they were uh... There were moments this morning where it was absolutely dumping.
3: So, remember last week when I made fun of the rain in Los Angeles?
0: (laughs) Yes.
3: It got its way with me. The rain ended up screwing with me pretty well over the weekend. Uh,
0: A little bit later, we'll get into a very personal terror in the sky story where you were uh, flying back from Sacramento got all the way to Burbank, I mean, within feet of the runway, and then turned around and went back to Sacramento. Oh,
3: man, it was a scene. It was a scene. It was Lord of the Flies. We'll get into it. But (laughs) uh, it is a scene right now at the state house in Virginia. The governor there, Ralph Northam, has gotten a lot of heat for maybe some blackface that he wore back in the 80s. Yeah, there
0: was a Yearbook photo that appeared in his medical school yearbook on his page about uh, and it was an image of somebody in blackface and then standing next to somebody in a KKK hood. Originally, he apologized for it and then came out with a news conference on Saturday morning and
3: said, that's not me in the pictures. Then went on to say, but there was another time when I did put blackface on. Yeah.
5: And offensive. I am not and will not excuse the content of the photo. It was offensive, racist, and despicable. When my staff showed me the photo in question yesterday, I was seeing it for the first time. I did not purchase the EVMS yearbook, and I was unaware of what was on my page. When I was confronted with the images yesterday, I was appalled that they appeared on my page But I believe then and now that I am not either of the people in that photo. Okay,
3: fine. Leave it at that. Leave it at that. Right. And then he 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 starts oversharing. But there was a time when I was totally into this singer. I I liked him so much that I wanted to emulate. What was his name again? He asked his wife. Yeah. And she says she leans over that you love so much. Right. Michael Jackson. He's like, oh, yeah, right. That's the guy. Like, you're grasping for Michael Jackson's name?
0: <laughs> but I don't understand. I don't even know. Was there a yearbook in college? Did, I, I don't,
3: didn't have one. I, I don't think. I certainly
0: didn't have one. And if there yeah. was, I didn't buy one. Right. Um, but the idea that he would go to a medical school and have a yearbook page about him, you have to give them a picture of yourself that he didn't know about it or he didn't know what was on the page. That's ludicrous. So, That's just insanity.
3: Play, play how he continues to crap himself.
0: All right. Okay. So he says, I believed then, which I assume he means the first time he saw the picture, not back in college. I'm I, Not either one of the people, the blackface or the KKK hood wearing guy.
5: I stand by my statement of apology to the many Virginians who were hurt by seeing this content on a yearbook page that belongs to me. It is disgusting. It is offensive. It is racist. And it was my responsibility to recognize and prevent it from being published in the first place. I recognize that many people will find this difficult to believe. The photo appears with others I submitted on a page with my name on it. Even in my own statement yesterday, I conceded that based on the evidence presented to me at the time, the most likely explanation that it was indeed me in the photo. In the hour since I made my statement yesterday, I reflected with my family and classmates from the time and affirmed my conclusion that I am not the person in that photo. Why I did not appear in this photo, I am not surprised by its appearance in the EVMS yearbook. In the place and time where I grew up, many actions that we rightfully recognize as abhorrent today were commonplace.
0: Uh, he goes on. Let's see if I can find that yeah. spot where today, he gets
5: it. I could spare myself from the difficult path that lies ahead. Oh, God. I could avoid an honest conversation about harmful actions from my past. I cannot in good conscience choose the path that would be easier for me. In an effort to duck my responsibility to reconcile.
0: Interesting that he thinks that resigning is ducking his responsibility in terms of owning up to what it was that appeared on that Facebook page. So I, he he says, and I,
3: I don't know where it is. I didn't know the press conference was that long, but he does say that at one point he w- he he did wear blackface because he was dressing up like Michael Jackson. And so everything kind of grounds to a halt, right? Because he's saying, that I'm, not in the, I'm not in the yearbook. That's not me. I can imagine there's upset men and let's all talk about this. And it's a teaching moment and the whole thing, right? And then he goes on to say, but I did wear blackface one time when I was dressing as Michael Jackson. And then he, and then he keeps digging. He says... But as you all know, when you put shoe polish on your face, it's hard to get it off. So I only put a little bit (laughs) like that's his joke. Like everyone in the room or listening knows that when you put shoe polish on your face, listen, Governor, to to put shoe polish on your face is to engage in doing blackface. Right. Not everyone does it. So that doesn't hold water. So then he says, uh, so I only put a little bit on my face and I dressed as Michael Jackson because it was a dance contest and then he makes it worse and he says <laughs> and i won that dance contest because well i learned how to do the moonwalk
0: oh okay
3: and a reporter then in the in the question and answer period says governor you... do you still know how to moonwalk he looks over at his wife and she's she hates herself she hates her life right now she wants out of this she's captain phillips And she just shakes him off like a pitcher shakes off a catcher. Yeah. You are not doing the freaking moonwalk right now on this stage. Um, Could you imagine the fact that he didn't know how bad that would look to do the moonwalk?
0: And doesn't that – doesn't all of what we saw Saturday morning and his handling of this, it only reinforces to me he was a buffoon back then in the mid-'80s. So. Of course it was him. Of course he knew what was on that page. How you cannot put together a yearbook page without you submitting that, those images. He even said that. But I don't know how that one got on there. Right. Come on. Seriously.
3: Furthermore, does the fact that he won the dance contest make it any less lame?
0: Right. Now, in all honesty, do I think he should resign? Yeah. I mean, this is, this is an egregious enough error. You're going to resign and you're going to be done with it. But like we've said about other things, like we've said about um, Kevin Hart, like we've said about Louis C.K., Well, I mean, whatever your uh, transgression is, can you come back from this? In this case, I think he can. I, I think mean, so. He's got the benefit of th- having 35, 40 years under his belt since this happened, and he's got a track record of being not a racist. So –
3: if, if he just said that's not me in the yearbook and then didn't tell the Michael Jackson blackface story... Uh... Would that have been a better move? Or or his people said, well, somebody's going to find out that you did do blackface one time with that Michael Jackson dance contest and the moonwalking thing. So just come clean right now.
0: I think there was a PR guy who said, listen, you've got to to be completely open and honest about anything that even resembles what this is. So
3: he's under pressure to resign from Democrats, his own party, and Republicans, obviously, as well. Well, the lieutenant governor there, Justin Fairfax, issued a statement this morning. And when I say this morning, he issued a statement at 2.55. 5 a.m. How bad That's is it? It's not good. How bad is it if you're <laughs> issuing a statement in the middle of the night? Um, the allegation is that he sexually assaulted somebody 15 years ago. So he's taking questions from reporters now, saying that he he did not. It's all derogatory. It's false, and I'm going to go after anybody who peddles these lies legally.
0: Wow. Um, So the the governor did meet with his cabinet. I think that did include the lieutenant governor earlier today. And they were discussing what it is that's going to happen now. Uh, Governor Northam says he has no intention of resigning. He
3: says he needs more time to decide his future. That's what he told his staff. today. 24
0: hours. Within 24 hours. I would say within 12 hours. Yeah. He resigns.
3: All right. uh, Coming up next. By the way, I apologize in advance. My stomach will not stop growling, and I'm not going to feed it anything. Why not? Because I ate everything yesterday. Uh, well, I that's was, why it's screaming. It's like going, "Hey, I just, like a I just I want a more." Whole
0: bag of vegetables. Oh, you did? Did yes. you bring those? Yeah. Oh, good. I mean, it's not the the two gallon bag that's yeah. full, but I, I ripped off a few of them. All and right. So we'll you want to some vegetables? Clean out a little bit and
3: uh, <laughs> clean out. Yeah. Thanks for that. Uh, and terror in the skies. My my terror in the skies. When we come back, there, there were tears. Ended. There was vomit. It was oh, a Great story, but it wasn't yours. No.
0: Good. I
3: held it together like I was on an F sixteen. Eh. I
0: Gary and Shannon. To say. Monday, February fourth. A lot to get to in Swamp Watch later on, including the uh, the title, the theme of the State of the Union address coming up tomorrow. We'll talk about that. Um, there was also uh, the story of uh, Jussie Smollett. The actor who was in Chicago when he said he was attacked last week uh, made an appearance in West Hollywood on Saturday night, showed up at the Troubadour and did his, uh, did his concert. So we'll talk about that, kind of update that case. But it's time for Terror in the Skies.
4: Flight 209, you are cleared for takeoff. Roger. Get off my plane.
2: Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Enough
1: is enough. I have had it with these monkey-fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane. Gary and Shannon's Terror in the Skies on KFI.
0: Now, when we do these stories, usually it's a far-flung flight from Newark to Atlanta or Miami to Chicago or something. No. But-
3: this, this terror took this place terror was from Sacramento to Burbank. A
0: little close to home. And back, so, by the way. <laughs> my
3: nephew uh, is a great basketball player, and I haven't seen him play. So I decided to go up and catch one of his last games on Friday night. Quick trip. Had to come back Saturday morning because I had something to do Saturday. Fly out Friday afternoon. Enjoy uh, some high school basketball. I didn't yell. Uh, and my flight was at ten thirty Saturday morning, Sacramento you have to, to Burbank.
0: Point out, I didn't yell.
3: Well, we <laughs> talked about it on Friday yeah. or something, how that was going to go. <laughs> so the flight's supposed to leave at ten thirty, supposed to land at Burbank. I don't know, eleven thirty-five, eleven forty. It's lightly raining in Sacramento as we board the plane. A lot of elderly on this flight. Sure, not any children. I noticed. And. It's pretty bumpy. They say, you know, we're not going to do service because uh, the flight attendants, it's for your safety and their safety. It's fine. You know, it's an hour flight. And it's bumpy, but it's not terrible. And we're making our descent into Burbank. And the clouds, I mean, the cumulus clouds were really incredible to see. That it, was, it was something. And then you make your way through the clouds, and we're bouncing around all over the place. And we make it over the runway at Burbank. And it's coming down. I mean, it is coming down. But I see the runway. The pilot doesn't, though. (laughs) And
0: all of a sudden... It doesn't matter if you do. We're
3: landing, uh, landing aborted, and we start climbing, uh, dramatically climbing. And that's when the wind just starts throwing us all over the place. And things are falling out in the aisles, and people are throwing up. There was a woman across from me crying. People are getting on their cell phones. I pop a Xanax, uh, and everyone is, is you know doing messages of love, right? And I'm on my on my phone texting my husband. what The hell's wrong with this pilot? You're this bad mouthing sucks. the pilot. Yeah, do your job. Like, <laughs> what, what are we doing here? We can't land in rain anymore. You know. That was my reaction, which is troubling.
0: And you, you turn around. They, so they, they took they you said, all the way back
3: to Sacramento. We did not make another pass at the runway. Uh, I thought that we would divert to LAX because it's a nice, big, long runway. Um, or Ontario, or really anywhere in Southern California. But they said, we're, we're going to go back to Sacramento. Oh, what? Right, turn around and, really? So, yeah, we went back to Sacramento Landed there uneventfully, and they rebooked me a couple hours later into LAX. So from Sacramento to L.A., it was a six-hour journey, and it shouldn't be that hard to go to Sacramento. When
0: you tweeted that you had the plane was diverted and you're going back to Sacramento, I looked up the plane on, uh, or I looked up the flight on one of those flight tracking sites, Uh and you can actually replay. At least you could then. It's too old now, but you could replay. The actual path of the flight, yeah, and it just you Look know, at the no glee nonsense. In your eyes right now, <laughs> I just can't imagine. Were you scared at all?
3: No, I mean it was dicey after right. we did not land and we took off. I mean the trajectory too was insane, and uh, that well, I was a little bit unnerved because uh, I, I had to take the Xanax. I mean it was to that point where I was like, I'm gonna freak out if this doesn't get better, right? But I think it's because it was a contrarian in in me, I think, because other people were freaking out that I felt like I had to be the adult. I had to be a calm one. Wow. And then people started yelling at the flight attendants because they wanted to get up and use the bathroom because maybe they literally pooped their pants. Right. Um, And the flight attendants were saying, no, we can't have anybody up the whole way back to Sacramento. And so then then there's a woman in the aisle, and she's calling the flight attendant an F&B. And did you see that f She won't let me go to the bathroom. And it was Lord of the Flies.
0: Wow. Southwest, so the entire by the way, flight back, you couldn't get up?
3: No. Um, wow. Uh, by the way, when we got back to Sacramento, the people at the, at the gate agents at, at Southwest were lovely. They were wonderful. They were like, we're so sorry. You guys have had such a bad morning. We've been back here on the phones trying to get you guys rerouted. We're so sorry. I mean, they handled it really well.
0: Kudos to Southwest. Yeah. and they actually they responded to one of your tweets about
3: yes about how they're well, pretty good with that yeah. on social media
0: all right uh, when we come back uh, an actual story of terror from the skies this plane that crashed in your Belinda we'll talk about that Gary and Shannon will continue right after this. update.
3: Wait, was he there and I missed it? No, 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 okay. no, no, no. Else. <laughs> okay. no uh, the,
0: the day after the most boring Super Bowl in the world, um, Monday, February 4th. I
3: like a little defense. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, you don't. Not like that.
3: I mean. I didn't like that tank top. It wasn't like it was poorly played. It was. Uh, it was sloppy. It, the problem is when you can't establish a run game, it's going to be sloppy.
0: Yeah, and I, that was a struggle. And you won the prop bet sheet, so I did. Congratulations, thank you. I think Carlo owes you money.
3: That's okay. <laughs> he had his hands full.
0: Uh, we will do Swamp Watch at twelve thirty. We'll talk about what's going on in Washington D.C. Uh, in the one o'clock hour, we're going to revisit the story about what is going on in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, the governor there. Uh, The blackface KKK controversy, the blackface moonwalk controversy, all of that is coming up. uh, And we're going to talk more. And I don't know if you've seen this, but we're going to talk about the story about Liam Neeson a little bit later as well. Liam Neeson did an interview where he talked about having been very uh, frustrated, uh, moved by a story of somebody close to him. And he didn't get specific having been attacked and raped and his reaction to it. And what he did—it's like a Liam
3: Neeson movie, exactly, or a Denzel Washington movie.
0: One of the—I mean, either one of those. Those guys should team up and do a movie. Actually, they could do this movie. But he's being called a racist for the for the way he said he handled this, Um, and his explanation of it, why he talked about it. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show.
3: Well, you probably were at a Super Super Bowl party yesterday. Uh, That was. No different in Fullerton, where people were hosting a Super Bowl party when a plane decided to crash into the house. Your Belinda, the twin-engine Cessna, 1981 twin-engine Cessna, flew about 10 miles before there was some sort of mid-air issue. Took off from Fullerton Airport Ten miles go by, there's some sort of mid-air issue, and the plane crashes into a neighborhood in your Belinda.
0: Uh, can hold eight or ten people. I think the only person who was on board, though, was the pilot, and the images were very striking. There were a couple of people who caught the plane in the air on dash cameras nearby, and you could see this thing clearly on fire before it hits the ground and starting to break up, which is Which is unusual. Yeah. It's unusual for a plane to break up in the air and scatter pieces like this did. Now, not only did part of the plane come down on one specific home where it killed four people, the main uh, compartment, I guess, the main carriage area of the airplane ended up in a different part of that neighborhood. It ended up in in an area where uh, it didn't hit anything. I mean, obviously, it hit some trees, so whatever it is that fell out of the airplane, whether it was an engine, one of the two engines, something is what started that fire in that house and killed those people.
3: So it it seems like it was just chaos at the scene. Um, people were f- f- trying to get out of that home, screaming for family members they couldn't find. There's video that shows that two-story home just engulfed by massive flames. Uh, as neighbors are, are watching, you can hear two explosions and in the footage, a, a piece of the plane's wreckage is burning in the street there. And you, there, you can see a guy trying to put out the, the flames with a garden hose. Another man gets a fire extinguisher to put out the flames.
0: There's a, there's a couple of images that I've seen. This one is from a nearby house. And I don't know if you've seen this, where there's a propeller in the driveway. Oh, my God. There's a chunk, a giant piece of engine right there that has fallen onto the front yard. And you can see the posts there on the front porch that have been destroyed by this engine. If that engine, I mean, you imagine that thing is probably a couple hundred pounds at least rolling into your driveway. I mean, they're lucky that that thing didn't flash, uh, didn't fly right through the wall of the house. Yeah. Uh, but they have a tarp over the window and you could see the damage on the, on the facade of the house there as well. A guy uh, by the
3: name of Clint Langford, he lives a half mile away, says he was in his living room when he heard a low rumbling. He said, it's the eerie low rumbling sound that keeps getting louder and louder. It was scary. Then all of a sudden, boom, it shook the house. He says he looked out its front door and he could see plane parts falling out of the sky in the distance. It just. One neighbor, uh, Tony Tominelli, says he heard an explosion from above. I walked outside. I look up, debris flying everywhere. Part of a plane, which I guess eventually was the motor, flies down into the garage like a torpedo. It just hit the garage and it blew up.
0: Just crazy. Um, The NTSB is investigating. They're in charge of it. And, in fact, at 2 o'clock this afternoon, NTSB says they're going to hold a briefing in that neighborhood to talk about this crash of this Cessna 414. All right. When we come back, uh, the McStay family, if you remember the McStay family, who was found out in the buried out in the desert, we'll talk about what they are doing in that trial. Kind of unusual
3: kind of odd every time the jury goes on a field trip and that's exactly what they're doing in this case as well Gary and Shannon with your chance at a thousand dollars when we come back fallout continues in Virginia. The president of a university there says the governor, Ralph Northam, will not be part of her official inauguration this week. This is all about a racist photo in his medical school yearbook. Uh, William and Mary President says that uh, the governor was scheduled to participate, but he will not be part of the program. Everyone's trying to distance themselves from this guy. The picture is of uh, one guy in a blackface, another guy in a KKK outfit. He came out over the weekend and said that he's not in the picture, but that there was one time where he did wear blackface when he was in a dance contest and moonwalking like Michael Jackson.
0: Honey, I never cheated on you with that woman. Oh, I've cheated on you, but just not with that woman. (laughs) That's the silliest all right. Uh, there was also the, uh, the El Chapo trial. The judge in that trial in New York is finally giving jury instructions. Uh, they, I think they begin looking at um, uh, deliberation today. They've been listening to three months of testimony about El Chapo and the uh, Sinaloa drug cartel. All right.
3: The McStay family.
0: Oh, we got $1,000 bucks. we are going to have before we get to the bat.
1: Yeah, Win $1,000 right now. Text the nationwide keyword TAB to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's TAB to
0: 200-200. Hey, uh, just, Matt, how great did you feel yesterday winning those prop bets? Oh, really? Imagine if it was really a 1000 bucks you would have been putting in your pocket.
3: Yeah, I felt good about
0: it. Uh, they will call you if you win, but you've got to answer the phone to pick up the $1,000. And if you don't answer, they will call somebody who will answer. They like to talk to people on the phone. Another chance next hour, all the way through the first hour of the Conway show, giving away $1,000 an hour.
3: The McStay family, Joseph and Summer and their two little boys, Gianni and Joseph Jr., four and three years old. They disappeared from their home north of San Diego back in 2010. And it was so odd, a big mystery. the The home showed signs of a swift departure, food left out, that kind of thing. And it completely baffled police. And then four years later, their skeletal remains turn up in Victorville, and dad's business associate, Chase Merritt, was arrested and charged with four counts of murder. The trial began last month in San Bernardino. Now, if convicted, they will seek the death penalty for Chase Merritt.
0: I don't think I've ever seen this before, but what uh, I mean not not recently, but what the judge allowed was for the jurors to visit the gravesite.
3: I happen to know the prosecutor who was the first prosecutor in LA County to do a site visit
0: to do a field trip like this. Yeah, um, the it's only it's
3: rare, and the thing that I, I, I it leaves me questioning about this is. Where the, the family was recovered, there exist four big white crosses that were erected in, in memory of the family. And they're huge, these white crosses, and they have the, the name of each family member on the crosses. Joseph McStay, Summer McStay, Giuseppe McStay, Gianni Mixday. And I've got to believe if the jury is out there and sees those crosses, it's wildly prejudicial to the jury. I mean, if I'm a defense attorney, there's no way in hell I I mean, I I don't know if the crosses were removed, but that would be something that I demanded of the of the court.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is it is strange. I mean, the only other high-profile case that I remember where this happened was of course the O.J. Simpson case where they took the where they took the bus to um to the house uh and to these different areas where that case Remember out. that?
3: Remember that when we found that out and they um they had the, the lawyers for O.J. had completely changed the house. Yeah. They put up all of these symbols of um, African-American symbols. They took all the pictures where O.J. was posed with white people. They took all that out. Yeah, That was insane that they were able to do that.
0: Well, and in this case, I mean, that that yeah, I think those are sort of two things on the two cards in the same deck where you're talking about the, the potential for there to be things there that would prejudice the jury. Yeah, uh, and, and the fact that these are memorials for people, you know, you're basically instilling perhaps in the jurors a sense of, I don't know, emotional attachment to these four people who are killed. Not that, not that they wouldn't already feel the burden of four deaths, especially two, the two small children. But the idea that these this would be a place of memorial as opposed to a place of evidence.
3: On the first day of Chase Merritt's trial, well, they say it's going to go on for a long time. It could be several months. But on the first day, prosecutors displayed a series of, as the L.A. Times called them, grisly snapshots: uh, Joseph's bones wrapped in an electrical cord, a clump of of Summer's hair connected to her skull. Now, Chase Merritt, uh, lawyers on either side of him, just stared ahead. And then they said on the other side of the courtroom was, was dad, Joseph McStay's mom, who, who cried quietly.
0: Now, the prosecutors admit, which is interesting, they admitted in court that they are going to have a few unanswered questions in their case, including whether Chase Merritt acted alone. They, they just don't know. Uh, but they did say, listen... All of the evidence points to this guy having the motive to do it, this guy having the ability and the willingness to do it. But if you are a defense attorney and the prosecution admits in court we don't know if he acted alone, all you have to do is then point to the possibility of a second person, and you can't convict.
3: That's exactly right. I mean, that's a huge hole right there. When you're admitting – uh, already that you, you're not sure. That's I don't know if that's a good move. I don't know if that'd be in my playbook. Um, Chase Merritt worked as a subcontractor for Joseph McStay. Joseph McStay's company sold water fountains. And this subcontractor who's on trial for the murders was siphoning money from McStay around the time the family disappeared.
0: Yeah, this is... <laughs> I mean, it seems pretty clear. I know that the defense is saying... Once they found out certain information, they ignored all other leads and they simply concentrated on this guy. And the defense allegation is that that investigators, what did they call it, uh, did gymnastics with logic to fit the evidence to this guy as opposed per- to this guy fitting the evidence. And that's
3: pretty common. Like you hear that from defense attorneys all the time. But there's there's another hurdle that they're going to have to overcome because they claim that this family was killed inside their home. Remember, food left uneaten. It didn't look like they were planning to to leave the house. There was things undone. Um, They said if the family was killed at the home, they would have found blood. And there was no blood found in the evidence, not a drop, not a trace, not a speck.
0: Yeah, and this is not a clean murder. I mean, he's talking about the sledgehammer that he used to kill these guys, this this family. That would be a... uh that would leave evidence, shall we say?
3: Right, it's circumstantial evidence uh, in this case, and then the money trail. The money is interesting. He was taking money from the accounts after the family was killed.
0: Yeah, that. I mean, that's that doesn't prove murder, but boy, it sure does give uh, it does give prosecutors pause uh, and a huge bullet in their chamber in terms of trying to get this guy convicted. All right, when we come back, another strange story out of USC. They have changed. They've changed a lot of things at USC in the last two years, ever since Carmen Puglia-Fito. Mm. But w- apparently there was a uh, a theft that went unreported for years until somebody, once again, sent an email to the L.A. Times and said, somebody blew it here. Listen,
3: the L.A. Times has it out for USC. I don't know who screwed who over, but <laughs> they are intent on smearing that that university's name. Uh, we'll give you the latest when we come back. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640.
4: I'm break, break,
3: she's a So you told her you'd handle the dishes so you could raise oh, some more?
0: <laughs> no. Oh. I just so knew she girl. was going to be... You know, hanging on every word from Tom Brady and Robert Kraft. Right. So uh, I just said, "Listen, sweetie, I'll do the dishes. You go watch the post game."
3: That's so nice. Thank you. That was a great time.
0: Didn't work. Oh, you mean? You, it helps when you win money.
3: No, it I mean happen. that was nice. I I I like being right. More than I like winning money.
0: Was there anything, any food that you didn't like? The, was... the little
3: smokies that I made. Yeah, but those I hated them. They were no, you terrible. Didn't
0: hate them. They weren't terrible. I
3: apologize to everyone. Was who it ate the those. honey sriracha one? It was.
0: Was it the flavors were bad, or did you mess it up?
3: I did everything they told me to.
0: She made it correctly. Like she, we clearly watched. There were people in the room when she did it. What so... was the problem with it?
3: It just tasted like that. It didn't have bad. that sweet and
0: spicy like you'd think it would. I, it it was not quite as sweet as it It didn't have spice. Have it
3: didn't have sweet. It was just little smokies covered in jelly <laughs> and soy sauce. It's terrible. <laughs>
0: uh, at the top of Next Hour, we're going to get into what's trending. Um, Ryan Burrow is going to join us as well. One of the Super Bowl controversies is uh, you may have heard Michael Chappelle do it at the news at the top of the hour. The corn growers' association is now pissed off at beer companies for the right
3: because Bud Light made the big deal out of not using corn syrup, right? Uh, demonizing corn syrup, weaponizing it, if you will. Uh, I found the controversy. Everyone's got to have a controversy, right? We all have to be offended by something, right? I mean, that's just so 2019. Who's offended by what? And T-Mobile's getting a lot of blowback. And I thought it was a very clever ad where, and I always love these, the, the memes and stuff of text messages. And, you know, somebody says, hey, what do you want to do for dinner was the ad. And you see the guy responding, Um, I want tacos, but you're probably going to want sushi again. And then he erases it. And he's like, whatever you want, baby. Erases it. And it's like, why don't you have a girls' night so I can actually have tacos? And you can see the (laughs) internal dialogue and it's playing out in this text message. And he ends up just settling on whatever you want. And so then she writes back, sushi, question mark? It's funny, right? Who doesn't have those conversations with their spouse or their girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever of what do you want for dinner? And there's always like a weird give and take and who gets to always make the decision and is it always the same? Oh, course she said that she always wants to go there well people lost their minds on the internet saying it's sexist and women aren't like that it's like come the on give me a break
0: <laughs> but if you're if you are offended by something that makes you more of a person and better it
3: makes you relevant is what it makes you this day and age
0: Ugh. all right uh so there is a uh, story where usc has a warehouse it used to be a uh, uh former city, I think it was City Light, Power, whatever it was, building, that USC took over. It's a giant warehouse, and it has a small locked room in it. One of the things that USC did or, uh, in the, I think it was the mid-'90s, was they took over a Frank Lloyd Wright house that was built. Uh, there was another one as well in Rudolph Schindler, I guess. who's was a furniture designer. And the Frank Lloyd Wright Freeman house that's up in the Hollywood Hills was damaged by the 94 earthquake. And in the process of rehabbing that they moved some of the contents of the house into this nondescript warehouse down in South LA. Well, six years ago, somebody clearly an inside job based on the fact that it wasn't, nobody broke in and they had to know exactly where this stuff was. Somebody went in to this warehouse and grabbed furniture Designed by Frank Lloyd Wright and Rudolph Schindler, two of the most celebrated American architects in the 20th century, floor lamps from Frank Lloyd Wright, a cushioned chair believed to have been designed by Schindler, and you think about it: two lamps and a chair. I mean, you go to you go to IKEA and you can get out of that store for 120 bucks and have that same hall.
3: Not the case. A nearly identical piece. That right made for the same period for a Hollywood Boulevard home sold at auction two years ago for $100,000. This is a lamp,
0: $100,000. Yeah. So we're looking conservatively, these two lamps and chair could be worth a quarter million, dollars 400000 uh, if you sell them as a group or if you just have them. Well, the, the story is that, yes, somebody broke into that brick facility on 24th Street Sometime around the year uh, 2000 and s- 2009, I believe it was. Now, sorry, 2012 is when they noticed that the, the those pieces of furniture were missing. No sign of break-in, no sign of vandalism, and nothing else taken but the most expensive floor lamps and chair in the history of floor lamps and chairs.
3: Do you think this is how... Uh... Carmen Hot Rails was able to uh, buy all those hot rails and
0: strippers. I don't, Uh, I don't think so. Although I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say it's.
3: I'm not gonna rule it out. Yeah. Right.
0: So now the problem is there was all of you know this massive theft of hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of historic and important pieces by again two celebrated American architects. Nobody said boo about this. Why
3: wouldn't the university report the theft to police? And try and get the public's help in recovering the irreplaceable
0: pieces. Well, here's the other thing. If not the police, their insurance company. Yeah. I mean, somebody has got to know about this. So it remained a secret, this this theft, until last summer. And according to the L.A. Times, someone's conscience appeared to have been prodded by a listing at a Chicago auction. It actually sells... Textile block from the Samuel Freeman House in Los Angeles. That's the one that was designed by by Wright by, by Frank Lloyd Wright, and it's a very specific tile uh, that has a design cut into it. And what they're saying is that the 16 inch square had some discolorations, proving that it was in fact part of the house. It had been out in the elements for a long time. That one piece of block. Sold for $5,000.
3: The university has blamed the six-and-a-half-year delay of reporting this.
0: On Carmen Pugliafito.
3: On miscommunication oh, between employees. Yeah, got it. USC says it is fully cooperating with the police probe, and it's going to pursue its own internal investigation.
0: Again, again this was discovered missing in 2012. A facilities staffer who went to that warehouse noticed that those things were missing. 2012, on January 22nd, two weeks ago, campus police finally filed a report with the LAPD identifying those three specific items. The university is reviewing its procedures and security measures related to the Freeman House and its assets. Now, this, again, is on the heels of what has been a particularly dark time for public relations officers in that USC.
3: It's another case of USC looking the other way because of the almighty dollar and the reputation hit it was going to take.
0: Their uh, fingerprints are going to be nothing. Forensic techniques are all going to be, you know, there's there's very little use for any sort of that type of investigation. But the you but the official statement from the school is it appears unlikely that there was only one key. But we do expect that to be part of the investigation.
3: Well, coming up next, the Jesse Smollett mystery continues. Who were the guys that attacked him in Chicago? And uh, he returns to West Hollywood and performs and is weighing in some more on what he says happened to him last week.
0: Gary and Chandler will continue in just a moment.
4: I just want to be part of yourself.
0: And Shannon. You see these pictures out of Seattle? Snowing today in Seattle. It is? Yeah.
3: Oh man. That's great. I, I, I remember living up there for a year. It snowed one day and it was beautiful, but the whole city shuts down because oh, it's over. you're just they're not ready for it. They don't it's
0: it's similar to LA when it when it gets a good rain, like yeah. the first good rain of the season, people can't figure out what's going on. Why is it, why is God crying? Yeah. That's similar to what happens in Seattle. And you'd think they'd be good bad weather drivers because it rains constantly right. up there. But no, you, you you know, you throw a little white stuff in there and they are lost.
3: I have a couple postscript Super Bowl thoughts. Number one, I saw that somebody made a bet, a two hundred and fifty dollar bet at South Point at the sports book. That the Rams would only score three points in the first half. It was a prop bet. Put $250 down, 400 to 1 odds. That guy walked walked out with $100,000 over that. The other thought I had was, did you see the LA Times this morning? Mm. The LA Times this morning, the big headline was Lambs. Yeah. Now that, uh, LA Times, listen. (sighs) (laughs) Okay, that's not the headline for you. If this is your hometown team now, you do what the Daily News did and you write super let down. That was their headline. Right. That's what you go with. If I'm in San Francisco and I'm a Ram hating 49er fan and I open up the Chronicle, I want to see Lambs. Right.
0: You're going to poke fun at them. your
3: hometown paper goes after you with like the biggest slight. I just thought that that was a really bad call. If If the L.A. Times, who were just, you know foaming at the mouth for the Rams this season. And, and, they're, and then they're going to turn on him like that and, and, and go after the, the biggest slight? I don't well, know.
0: And I mentioned this yesterday. I, I had the TV on at the 9 o'clock watching the NFL Network, one of their pregame shows yeah. that they were doing, and then I'd switch over to CBS. Either one of those places, both of them set up right outside the stadium there in Atlanta. So you have hundreds of fans that are there early to, sh- to you know for the Super Bowl. You would see 500 people in a shot. And there'd be four Rams jerseys.
3: Oh yeah, it was loud there, for in terms of uh, Patriots yeah. fans.
0: Yeah. So, uh, Jesse Smollett played the Troubadour on Saturday night. Jesse Smollett was the guy who says that he was attacked in Chicago on Tuesday when two masked men assaulted him, put a rope around his neck, using homophobic and racial slurs, and said something like "This is MAGA country," and then poured something on him like bleach. Or something. Um, I, I am not convinced that this happened. Now, I don't know what happened. But it is a... There's something weird about this story, and I've said it since the very beginning.
3: The weird thing you have, and the weird thing is... Well, one of them is that there is... There are so many security and surveillance cameras that blanket the area where he says he was attacked, yet there is no no footage of the attack there is footage of him walking back into the lobby with what looks like a slack rope around his neck and the other odd thing is that he waited 40 minutes to call the police and then when the police show up he still has the the slack rope around his neck
0: and he was on the phone with his manager his manager has told the police that he heard what happened and that they were on the phone at the time but that they will not turn over their phones to the police to confirm that angle of the story for some reason. Huh. Now, Jesse Smollett did go to the hospital. Um, when he showed up at the Troubadour on Saturday night, he he has an album out, which, well, he has an album out. Um, part of the reason why he's in Empire is because he can sing and he uses it for, um, uh, you know, he can write songs, he can perform in the show he's itself. He's a great singer, yeah. And he, his band launches into the song. It, plays for about an hour, and then basically takes an hour and then addresses everything that happened. says, I'm not fully healed yet, but I'm going to be, and I'm going to stand strong with y'all. Uh, I, I had to be here tonight. He was talking about his friends and family had suggested he call off the show on Saturday night, and he said, I have to be here. Um, I couldn't let those expletives Win. I will always stand for love. I will only stand for love.
3: He said he was bruised, but his ribs were not cracked. He went straight to the doctor, but was not hospitalized. Physicians in Chicago and L.A. cleared him to play, but told him to be careful. He says, and above all, I fought the expletive back. Uh, Then he pauses and he says with a laugh, I'm the gay Tupac. Wait a minute. I don't know know what that's all about.
0: Tupac's dead. Or is he? Well, I'm pretty sure. I
3: don't. I'm of the contingent that Tupac is alive.
0: Um, Now, he said in a statement that everything he has been doing has been consistent on every level with the police during their investigation. Some of the comments on social media said that he had changed his story, that maybe he was uncooperative with investigators. Chicago police have been very upfront about this, and they're not painting the picture one way or the other. They appear to be just laying it out and saying – Yes, that area is saturated with surveillance cameras, both private and city owned, but we just haven't found any evidence as of yet. They say they have no reason to think that he's not being genuine. And to that end, I would say I have no reason to believe he didn't get attacked. I just, there are just weird questions about the story that have come into it. And it's not a race thing. It's not a homophobic. Th- I mean, I, my attitude towards it is not. It's a race thing or a homophobic thing. I,
3: I want it to be something that he's going through, rather than there's people out there that are going to. I mean, I, if he, if he made it up, I don't. I'm not in a hurry to call this guy a liar or hope he is a liar. But I'd rather him go through something where he felt like he had to make it up, as opposed to the the story that he's telling. Which involves two guys putting ropes around young black men's necks and calling them homophobic slurs On the street, and all in of one that. of the largest cities I'd in America. Re- I'd really rather it be something that, that he is uh, experiencing.
0: One of the nuggets in this story is that he says that he received a small white envelope addressed to him in uh, a week before the attack. And it said, in threatened, in cutout letters you know, you cut out from a magazine like an old ransom note you will die, and then talked about his race and talked about his uh, sexuality. There was white powder in the envelope, but it was later determined to just be crushed aspirin, basically, or Tylenol. They said that it was a postal worker dropped off the letter, postmarked in Bedford Park on January 18th, four days before the attack, but I don't know. It had the, the... letters M A G A MAGA make America great again had that written on the the envelope but again I, just it's weird there's a weird something to this story and hopefully they can figure it out and figure it out
3: we'll talk trending when we come back to Gary and Shannon
1: I'm a match, she can't sing.
0: Shannon Swamp watch comes up at the uh, bottom of the hour and we'll talk more about this leak of the president's schedule uh, talking about how much executive time he spends alone
3: executive time means not scheduled like uh, alone time Uh, time to watch Fox and friends time to play golf
0: so uh, there are a lot of people who are saying uh, outside of what information they think they can glean from a schedule they're talking about how whoever it is that leaked this. Uh, I love executive time. A...
3: Executive time is my favorite time. And if I was elected president. <laughs> it sounds
0: like something my dad would say when he had to go to the bathroom.
3: Exactly.
0: <laughs> what else is going on? Time for What's Happening.
3: We have rain, people. Scattered showers, snow in the mountains. Got back to back. Cold troughs of low pressure.
0: Hmm. Cold trough.
3: How cold is it? I mean
0: You mean weather wise like temperature wise? Yeah. Uh, I
3: don't remember it being fifty
0: five. Uh, yeah. Let me is check. that a cold trough? Um well in Chicago it's fifty. And it feels like it's fifty. And in Burbank it's fifty four. But with a wind chill, it feels like it's fifty four. So there you go.
3: Thank you. Uh,
0: still some mud problems, mud flow, debris flow, that sort of thing.
3: PCH is closed to everyone but residents along a pretty big stretch in Malibu. Both directions shut down between Broad Beach Road and Las Posas Road due to the storm. A section of Topanga Canyon also closed between PCH and Grandview Drive because of a mudslide.
0: There are uh, They are expecting as much as three inches of rain along the southern slopes of the San Gabriel Mountains three inches over the course of uh, the storm today into tomorrow. So uh, the the snow level, amazingly, is not that low. They said a foot of snow forecast above 7,000 feet, uh, two to four inches expected about 4,500 feet. So you could see that could impact uh, the five as you go over the Grapevine, the Tahome Pass area, Highway 14 in the Antelope Valley as well. So, uh, But speaking of, the snow in Seattle. You are talking about this a few minutes ago.
3: They're always wildly unprepared for the snow in Seattle. So it's uh, things shut down, if I remember correctly. They've got about 10,000 people without power uh, in Burien, Shoreline, White Center.
0: Those are beautiful places. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, <laughs> Seattle can be the most gorgeous city in the United States. If it's it sunny
3: in August. Yes. It is beautiful in the snow if you don't have to do anything.
0: Sometime between July fifth and uh, Labor Day yeah. is usually a really good time to go to Seattle. Of all
3: the water and the bridges, and it's sparkling. The entire city is just sparkling.
0: Um, they have ended up canceling school. Uh, school districts around Seattle are closed today. Clearly, University of Washington closed an entire college university campus. Yeah,
3: they shut down, closed
0: because of the snow.
3: They don't have uh, the mechanisms to clear the roads up there. Is I love the problem is
0: the time, and it would you know snow once a year, maybe twice a year in Seattle. I loved going to work in, in the snow because there was no one around. Right? I mean, you could cl- you could do donuts in the snow at every intersection and not hit a, a car.
3: Wait a minute here. Mm. I didn't know about this development. Oh, yeah. This news is news to me.
0: Remember the story of Kelsey Barreth? She was the mother from Colorado who went missing. She had a
3: young baby, a baby that was like a year old. She she uh, leaves the baby off at, at her fiancé's house. She's last seen at a, at a Safeway or a market or something, and then nothing.
0: Now, you remember her husband, or sorry, the, the her baby father, Was arrested in December, charged with Kelsey's murder and three counts of solicitation to commit murder.
3: Now we've got a woman who's going to plead guilty to a charge in connection to this case. A nurse, Crystal Lee.
0: They say that she has been cooperating with investigators. They've been looking into allegations that she may have disposed of evidence. Oh, so
3: she she was having sex with the fiancé that killed the the girl and maybe helped him dispose it.
0: Because remember, her cell phone, Kelsey's cell phone pinged in Idaho. Yeah. Oh, fascinating. This nurse is from Idaho. Fascinating. Yeah. The body has not been found. That, of course, is going to be an issue when they do bring this thing to trial. Uh, Liam Neeson, we'll talk about this more next hour, but Liam Neeson said in an interview uh, with a British paper that he once walked the streets armed with a club for a week in hopes of killing a black man after a family member told him she was raped by a black man. There is a, he said in this interview, and again, it was to pitch his new movie called Cold Pursuit. It's an action movie because it's a Liam Neeson show, and it's not... um, Love, actually. He said there's something primal. And he begins a story with this interviewer, and he says, God forbid you've ever had a member of your family hurt under criminal conditions. But he says, my immediate reaction was, I asked, did she know who it was? No. What color were they? And she said it was a black person. And he said he walked around the neighborhoods with a club in his hand, like a baton, hoping that he would be approached by somebody. And he could kill him. That, I mean, those are his words, that he wanted to kill somebody because of the fury he felt over his family member having been attacked. Now, there's more to it. There's some pushback. that I don't know why he would tell that, that
3: story. If that's something that he went through, why would you publicize that? I don't know. I mean, that's.
0: And he never identifies who it was that was whether it was a family member, how close the family member was or what.
3: Demi Lovato has deactivated her Twitter account because she was laughing at memes of the rapper 21 Savage. He was arrested this morning by ICE agents in Atlanta. He is a British citizen, entered the country legally in 2005, but overstayed his visa, which expired the next year. And everybody has unleashed on Demi Lovato talking about her drug use, her sobriety, all because... She was laughing at memes where somebody was getting kicked out of the country who's here illegally.
0: It's it's funny to me that she thinks that she wouldn't get pushback from that. I mean, Demi Lovato has probably, I don't know how many Twitter followers she has people, or had. People I mean, she have she t- to be outraged.
3: They have to be outraged at something. If you're not outraged on Twitter, then,
0: uh, then what is your life worth? What is it worth? Did
3: you know this <laughs> young
0: and restless star? I recognized him. I mean, I recognize the the actor. I don't think I could have, I've never seen Young and the Restless.
3: Christophe St. John died age 52. That guy? Yeah, he does a look familiar. Yeah. He has been on, the, on the, uh, the soap opera since 1991.
0: He has 10 NAACP Image Awards, nine Emmy nominations. It was announced in September that he had just got engaged. He's twice married and divorced, was the father of a son and two daughters. But his son died five years he ago. He committed suicide. Yeah, and my understanding is that there was no foul play here. He's, you know, he's only fifty-two years old. I wonder if this, the death of his son, was something that haunted him even five years later. Yeah, I would imagine probably it, it's going to haunt him for the rest of his life. But
3: all right, we've got a thousand dollars to give away coming up. Also, getting into the Super Bowl controversies again. People have to be outraged about something. Something.
0: Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Monday, February 4th. Tomorrow, State of the Union address. When we get into Swamp Watch at 1230, we'll talk more about the title, the theme that the White House has announced. We'll also get into the story about this uh, leak of the president's schedule, what executive time is and what people are trying to read into it about what the uh, West Wing is all about these days. Well, uh, one of the things that we talked about um, in context of the Super Bowl was the fact that we have $1,000 we're giving away, and here's how you can win it. Win $1,000 right now. Text the
1: nationwide keyword TALK to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's TALK to 200-200.
3: And remember, you got to answer the phone when they call. Even if it's a number you don't recognize, you don't pick up, they move on. Your next chance to win next hour, 20 after the hour, and your chance to win every day here on KFI, 5 a.m. to 620p.
0: I mean, there were some memorable commercials from the Super Bowl, but there were none that were really barn burners other than the NFL 100 thing that we talked about. Well, and
3: Anthony Lynn's...
0: Oh, my gosh, that's right. That
3: made me cry. Uh, Anthony Lynn, years ago, when he was uh, coaching in Dallas, he was hit by a drunk driver and thrown 40 feet into a car. He totaled the car with his impact. He was lucky to survive, Walk again, all of that. And they reunited Anthony Lynn with the first responders that helped him that night.
0: But he didn't know.
3: He didn't know. He was
0: talking, and this group of, you know, on a soundstage that looks like a firehouse with yes. these guys in, you know, men and women in uniform. And then they said, I'm the one who was driving the ambulance. I was the paramedic that first got to you. Chills. And he just starts, he loses. And
3: it. I was crying, and yes. you were crying. I wasn't crying. Uh, but you were dilly crying. Dilly, the, uh, the Bud Light commercial is getting a lot of play. I thought it was pretty clever. The corn. People do not.
1: That's not our corn syrup. We received our shipment this morning. You're joking. Try the Coors Light Castle. They also use corn syrup.
0: The Bud Light people taking the corn syrup barrel to Miller Light to Coors Light. Ryan Burrow doesn't drink either one of those beers. But why is the National Corn Growers Association upset with this?
4: Uh, because it puts corn syrup in a uh, not so great light. And we learned something, didn't we? We didn't know about corn syrup, perhaps, uh, that it was used in beer. And uh, apparently it is used in Miller beer and Coors beer. It's, by the way, same company, Miller Coors now. So uh, that long, arduous journey that they take is is deeply frustrating to them. And, uh, you know, it all kind of pays off in the end with uh, Coors saying, yeah, that's, that's our big barrel of corn syrup. Well, uh, the National Corn Growers Association, which is based, Get this, in St. Louis. Mm. Uh, not happy with it. Released a statement saying, America's corn farmers are disappointed in you, Bud Light. Our office is right down the road. We would love to discuss with you the many benefits of corn. And then, get this, thanks Miller Lite and Coors Light for supporting our industry. So uh, kind of throwing it right back uh, at uh, Bud Light and saying, you know what, we we really like uh, that Coors Light and Miller Lite use uh, corn syrup in, in their beers.
3: It's funny because it seems like, They're trying to demonize corn syrup or or appeal to people who do not want corn syrup in their products. And I just think that those people are not the same people that are going to be reaching for a Bud Light. Like the woman (laughs) on the West Side who's upset that there's corn syrup in her kids' Cheerios is not going to be reaching for a Bud Light, nor a Coors Light, nor a Miller Light.
4: (laughs) The uh, the the issue itself though did put Anheuser Busch back on its heels. They released a statement saying that uh, they fully support corn, corn growers. Uh, will continue to invest in corn in the corn industry. Bud Light Super Bowl commercials are only meant to point out the key difference in Bud Light and some other light beers. This effort is to uh, better educate consumers, create transparency, and elevate the beer category. So they are out with their own statement trying to say no. We we just wanted to show that there was a
0: difference. Well, and I think that this this is Bud Light proving that when you pay your money for a Super Bowl commercial, one of the things that you're putting a bet on is that people are going to continue talking about your commercial, whatever it happens to be. And this, I mean, even if it's the National Corn Growers Association upset with Budweiser for doing this, we're still we're saying still talking Budweiser
3: and Bud Light 97 right. times today.
0: Any publicity
4: is good publicity, right? That's what that's what the Super Bowl commercials are all about. Yeah. What's the deal with GM? So GM uh, obviously is not uh, in a good relations with the auto workers union up in Canada and probably not so much here in the United States after the announcement uh, that it was shedding five factories uh, across North America and um, also about 15,000 jobs. And so this group, uh, Unifor, which represents a lot of these auto workers, has been really blasting them in the media with op-eds and other commercials. And uh, they ran a 30-second ad during the Super Bowl yesterday only in Canada, it didn't air uh in the lower 48 but uh it it basically said that uh gm is choosing to invest in mexico uh it blasts them for the 2009 bailout uh and essentially says that uh, we thought that you'd continue to invest here in canada but you've decided not to and we won't forget it uh gm had threatened during all these op-eds before the super bowl that hey if you keep this up we're going to sue you and uh it looks like they're set to do that after they ran that ad yesterday
0: did you have a favorite commercial
4: you know, some of those T-Mobile ones were kind of funny with the long text messages. <laughs> yeah, and that did just you kept going and going? Did and the, you the, hear yeah,
3: the the controversy the Apple, over those?
4: Google? No.
3: Yeah. So, uh, so just to recap, the T-Mobile thing was like. Uh, a woman saying hey hey honey what do you want to do for dinner and then the husband or boyfriend or whatever is responding and he's trying to choose his words carefully so he's writing a text and he's deleting it writing it and deleting it um, you know because she always wants to go to sushi and he's like oh probably you're probably gonna want sushi again and he deletes it and then he, I want tacos but you never let me have tacos and he deletes it and he ends up settling on whatever you want to do and she writes back sushi question mark and so all yeah. these women online are freaking out that that's sexist and it portrays women in a bad light and uh, you know just like Wanting to be outraged about something.
4: Yeah, there were, the T-Mobile also did the one with the really long one. You know, you used to sort of send short text messages, yes. and this one was like, like sixteen paragraphs long. <laughs> and then the one where the dad thinks that it, that uh, text message is Google. He keeps trying to look something up, and I guess it's the daughter who finally gives him what he's looking yes. for because right. he, he keeps I, thinking it's Google. I thought yeah. those
3: were great too. I thought they were super clever, and and we've all had those situations happen in our lives.
0: Absolutely. All right, Ryan. Thank you. Appreciate it. thank you. Appreciate it. Take care. Ryan Burrow there with the latest from uh, from Chicago. We Again. forgot
3: to ask him how he's doing in the Great Thaw of,
0: of fifty degree weather. Yeah. He probably doesn't. Probably wearing shorts right now. No shirt. He's he's doing his Adam Levine impression he's his right tank now. Tank top. This California uh, tattoo across his gully gully.
3: <laughs> his gully gully? Yeah. I've never heard that
0: term. That's what. Uh, that's when you take a little kid and you grab him a little belly a gully gully. Oh. Totally thing? inappropriate for the office, by the way, if anybody's thinking about grabbing anybody by the gully gully.
3: Coming up next, Swamp Watch. We will get you all caught up on what to expect for the president's State of the Union. He's teasing this thing like it's a reality show finale. It's,
0: it's not. It
3: is not.
1: <laughs> she played a fiddle in an Irish band, but she fell in love with an English man. Her on her neck
5: and I took her by the hands and baby. I just want to dance with my pretty little girl.
4: And then she kissed me like there was nobody else in the
5: room.
1: Carrie Shannon. Next
0: hour, we're going to be joined by Andy Field. We're going to talk more about what's been going on with the governor of Virginia. This big fight that's been going on over the old yearbook photo and him putting himself in blackface to win a dance contest as Michael Jackson. Just, it's absurd on top of confusing, perhaps. But it's time for Swamp Watch.
5: Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have
4: fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Swamp swamp! 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 Swamp launch.
3: new chapter to that Ronnie Jackson
0: story. Ronnie Jackson? The Dr. Ronnie Jackson?
3: Yes, Rear Admiral Ronnie Jackson has (laughs) been appointed to serve as assistant to the president and chief medical advisor. There was a federal inquiry into Ronnie Jackson's misconduct as head of the White House Medical Unit. Trump loves this guy. This is the guy that was uh, trotted out in the White House briefing room to talk about this being a president who's in better shape than anybody in the world.
4: He's a fine man. I'll always stand behind him. I'd let it be his choice. Uh, But he's a man who has just been an extraordinary person. His family, extraordinary success, great doctor, great everything. And he has to listen to the abuse that he has to. I wouldn't if I were him. Actually, in many ways, I'd love to be him.
3: He nominated Ronnie Jackson to become Veterans Affairs Secretary last year, and a bunch of people said, wait a minute, this guy is not qualified for the job. Now he faces all these accusations that he was drinking on the job, over-prescribing medications, creating a hostile work environment while he was serving in the White House medical unit.
0: And by the way, he's under investigation by the Pentagon. This continues. I mean, this is not just – this wasn't a thing where people made up stories and then it just kind of went away. The Pentagon opened a, a full-on investigation into this guy.
3: He seems like a good-time guy.
0: <laughs> yes, he does seem like a good-time guy. He seems uh,
3: like he might put fireball in his cider.
0: The <laughs> or someone else's. The, <laughs> theme of, uh, the theme of the President's State of the Union Address <laughs> – will be sort of an optimistic one. Uh, according to the White House, they say that uh, the title of the State of the Union address is choosing greatness. And they talked about five themes that the well, president minute, is going to zero wait in wait on wait. I was all during excited. the speech.
3: No, 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 no. Last week, the, the, the idea was unity. And I was getting already all weekend long for yeah. a speech about unity. I was getting fired up for it. I well, I don't a-
0: know what you're going to do with that run of T-shirts that you made that all said "Unity" on right. it, right? I or have unify uh, or uh, whatever. Creating
3: a drinking game surrounding unity Based. ideas, and now oh, I have great. to change it to what is it? Greatness, Amer- yeah. inspiring American greatness. Is
0: that is this the paper that your drinking game is on? Right here, you're going to have to write another one. It's Choosing greatness is the title. Five themes the president's expected to zero in on: immigration, trade infrastructure health care and national security
3: no unity unity didn't make the list
0: No, nope, not at all uh the, the the lineup the roster of invited guests is i know that they've been doing this for decades but it's a little it's a little much lately and i think outside of friends family immediate uh co-workers or something like that, this this has got to end. You've got to stop grandstanding and using people as political pawns just to get their face on TV. I think it's ridiculous. It's, it's silly at this point. And we're going to see tomorrow uh, and Wednesday this list of people who have just been used by these politicians once again.
3: The New York Times. If you were to print out this article that ran in the New York Times over the weekend, you would print out three pages. It is a lengthy article, and it's all about how the president's tan remains a secret. How does he get the tan? Where does the glow come from? It's three pages. Uh, They talk to people who have spent time in the White House residence about whether there's a tanning bed there. Is there a spray tan booth? Is there one in the East Wing, a closet on Air Force One? Two senior White House officials insist no no such apparatus exists. Several of the president's supporters had little to say how, uh, when asked how the president achieves his glow. Are, are, are we doing this at the New York Times?
0: Congratulations, New York Times.
3: That's embarrassing. Why
0: is it that you think the president bags on you left and right? And then you write something like, gosh, how does he keep his tan in the winter in D.C.?
3: I mean, this reporter, Katie Rogers, I'm assuming she went to school for journalism. I don't Mm. I don't think she envisioned doing stories about the pigment of, of Donald Trump. First of all, have haven't we had this conversation for 40 years? Ever since this man has stepped foot into the public eye, everyone wants to know about his tan, Right. Clearly, he uses some sort of tanning products. Is it a bed? Is it a spray tan? Who gives a crap? Isn't this asked and answered and we've moved on?
0: Well, Katie, later in the article, writes, whatever Mr. Trump may do or not do to his skin, he does it in private. (laughs) Uh, Congratulations, New York Times. Katie Rogers
3: recently tweeted, uh, Clinton's shorts. Obama's jeans, Reagan's tan, we write about how the most powerful man in the world presents himself to it because it's part of history, and also because the man as president is always at least as interesting as the presidency itself.
0: That was her justification for writing that article? Yes. (laughs) Oh, my God. uh, There is another article that came out from Axios over the weekend, and this is... Three months of the president's private schedule. Someone leaked the president's private schedule to one of the writers, Alexi McCammond, for Axios. We'll talk about what's in that schedule and why there's two sides of this story that are very, very different. We'll talk about that when we come back to Swamp Watch on Gary and Shannon. Has to counter program on the day of the super bowl
3: mm-hmm.
0: so last night on tlc dr pimple popper they had the poppy bowl
3: i don't want to hear anymore
0: oh it was Please oh don't tell me anything so else Oh, great i can't do it it was one of those shows that you can't actually look at no for the entire show you That's just disgusting. she starts a procedure and you just turn your head and yell to try to make it go away. Hey,
3: that was actually Andy Warhol eating that Burger King. Oh, yeah. It was a footage from 1982 that was shot for a documentary about uh, Americans. American images, things like that.
0: <laughs> Scen- <laughs> Scenes
3: from America. Was we were image. trying to
0: figure that out while it was going. Is this an act? That looks a lot like yeah, Andy Warhol. It, was. it really was. Uh, one of the stories out of D.C. today is that Axios has published... A story about executive time. Somebody gave one of the reporters for Axios the last three months' worth of schedules for the president. And it's unprecedented in terms of its ability to shed light on what this guy does while in the White House. And a lot of people are freaking out because there's something in there called executive time. Executive time was the brainchild of former chief of staff John Kelly. He is the one who introduced this idea of executive time because Donald Trump as a person does not like being locked into a regular schedule. I get that. It makes sense. I mean, listen, if the guy works in a specific way and kind of what you, you know, you get when you elect that guy is he's going to do things differently. And clearly this is one of the examples of that. There's, this is this is the one side of the story. There's a whole other side in a second. But the one side of the story is um, the president usually gets up early and on his calendar in most of these days is that first chunk of the day being executive time. The problem is that a lot of people are suggesting, as uh, the sources within the White House, say that he doesn't even follow the loose restrictions of executive time. For example, executive time, location, Oval Office, time, 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. But they're saying he's never in the Oval Office during those hours. That in the morning, he likes to hang out in the East Wing, in the residence, watching TV, reading papers, calling people, talking to members of Congress or informal advisors on the phone, whatever.
3: The director of Oval Office Operations and the president's personal secretary is a gal by the name of Madeline Westerhout. She's 28. And she ran to Twitter to defend her boss, saying what a disgraceful breach of trust to leak schedules. What these don't show are the hundreds of calls and meetings the real Donald Trump takes every day. This POTUS is working harder for the American people than anyone in recent history.
0: Now, that's the second angle of this story, is that this this is a huge leak. This is a very very, I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily a security issue in terms of that there would be any sort of threat to the president the more we know about the schedule, because obviously these are in the past. But this is a this proves that there are people who work in the White House that hate the guy that they're working for. So this is one of those things where you're going to see some heads roll here pretty quickly. And I, M- M- Mick Mulvaney is currently the uh, uh, White House chief of staff, at least acting. He's got to be able to crack down on this sort of thing. John Kelly wasn't able to do it. He wasn't able to prevent the leaking from inside the White House. I'm curious to see if Mick Mulvaney can.
3: Well, what are you going to do?
0: Uh,
3: I don't, I think, just, just I don't think it's people. one I mean, person. Figure out who,
0: oh, no, it's definitely not no, one person.
3: No.
0: Um. And last week we were talking about the potential for it to have been. And, Kellyanne Conway was one of the people. She, I don't think this is – this seems to be uh, a step too far for, for her. Here's but, the
3: other thing. There's a lot of – cutthroat moves that are made uh, on White House aides and people that are in the Oval Office and in the inner circle. Um, There's a lot of uh, agendas being carried out. Who knows who leaked this to make somebody else look bad in the administration? Right. Um, You know what I mean? Like just people just cutting throats left and right in Washington all the time. I mean, that's how political aides become political aides. You've all seen the shows.
0: You know, the thing is, I don't know what the – this is a – what I understand is a prescriptive schedule. This is what the day is going to look like. Now, at the end of the day, I don't know what sort of responsibility the White House staff has to sort of backfill the information. Do they go back through the schedule and say, in this executive time, the president called the prime minister of Canada – Talked on the phone with the department, uh, with the secretary of the treasury. Had a meeting with the vice president. You know, do they go back and fill in this type of free flowing information, or you know, this free flowing schedule with the stuff that he actually did? One of the guys that actually studies presidential schedules. Boy, why wasn't he at my Super Bowl party? Chris Whipple wrote a book called "The Gatekeepers: How the White House Chiefs of Staff Define Every Presidency." He says there's almost no historical parallel for how this president spends his days. So? Uh, that, that doesn't mean one thing or the other necessarily. The most important asset in any presidency is the president's time, says Chris Whipple. And Trump is a guy who gives new meaning to the notion of an unrestricted presidency. The And then the White House responds to this and says, listen, yes, his average day, there's a bunch of meetings, there's a bunch of events, there's a bunch of phone calls – but there's time to allow for a more creative environment is what sarah huckabee Sanders said and that he, that's the Why way are he works you even
3: explaining this i don't think anybody should that's have to a, explain themselves
0: The the biggest issue i think the the schedule itself doesn't reveal anything that we didn't already know about this guy the biggest the bigger issue of the two is that this that type of information leaked from the west wing yes that i think is a huge issue so
3: all right it's getting worse in uh, virginia by the way, um, that metal, medical school where the where the yearbook is from? Yes,
0: the, the one that shows the governor in either blackface or the KKK hood, even though he says it's neither one of him. Apparently, those...
3: this med school banned yearbooks in 2013 because students were posing in Confederate garb.
0: <laughs> wow. In 2013. In <laughs> 2013. Huh. All right. Well, we'll have to talk more about that. And the we'll lieutenant his-
3: governor is in trouble now. He had to come out and release a statement at 2.55 a.m. this morning because the story about him sexually assaulting someone 15 years ago was picking up traction. Bad day for now, Democrats in was Virginia.
0: That, was it that late or early because he was still sobering up from the uh, from the Super Bowl? Or do you think that it took him that long to create some sort of a statement
3: I think a lot of phones were ringing. Like, we got to get out in front of this before 5 a.m. Let's release a statement now. So it's the lead of the story.
0: Right. The immediate denial was yes. the lead of the story. We have a bunch that we'll get through in this whole thing. Play for you some of that just bizarre and odd, uncomfortable news conference from Saturday morning as well. And again, this is uh, Governor Northam of Virginia. Gary and Shannon will continue right after this.
3: What if it's the drug? A top administration official for the Virginia governor says the governor is meeting with his staff to hear what they think. Is it viable for him to stay in office? We'll get you all the details coming up in about 15 minutes. This is all about an old yearbook picture from the 80s that that surfaced. Uh, One man is in blackface. Another is dressed as a member of the KKK. And there was talk that the governor was one of these people. He came out over the weekend and Denied it uh, and then said, well, there was this one time I did dress in blackface as Michael Jackson. It was for a dance contest. And, oh, by the way, I won it.
0: They keep showing that portion of the news conference where the reporter then asks, can you still do the moonwalk? And he kind of looks around like, well, I see if I have enough space here. And you catch his wife. He catches his wife's eye. And she's like, if you even. Right. I will kill you on the spot.
3: Investigators are in your belinda examining the wreckage and the damaged homes where that small plane crashed after it broke up in flight the pilot was killed four people on the ground killed in that home as well yesterday afternoon
0: we uh had a little super bowl party a couple people came over yesterday and had a good time watching what turned out to be a kind of a snoozer in terms of the actual game but the patriots beat the rams of course 13 to 3 and, yes, Tom Brady has six Super Bowl rings, and he's the only player in history to have that. Those I get were it.
3: two terrible quarterback performances from Goff and Brady. Yeah. It was a defense game. It was uh, – they didn't get enough credit. The Patriots, the Patriots do not get enough credit for the defense that they were able to put on. I mean, they shut down the run. Todd Gurley had, what, 11 touches for 34 yards? Yeah. And, he, and he disappears from the game.
0: One of the prop bets I had on the sheet that, uh, that you you know fill out certain questions, and if you the person with the most points wins all of the the booty. In case yours, you won all of you had nine of the fifteen questions right. I think one of them was who was going to have more uh, receiving yards. Uh, was it uh, Robert Woods and Julian Edelman? Yeah, Woods had like forty yards. I know. I mean, it was. Were, he did well, not. Well,
3: they could if they couldn't establish the run game, that offense would not it was not going to open up yeah. and and they were able to put pressure on Goff i think he was taken down what four times yeah hurried a bunch he looked he looked terrified he looked like a deer in the headlights and it's not just because of those those close-set eyes
0: here's a prop bet now i was going through a whole list of literally hundreds of different prop bets that you could make yesterday before the super bowl things like um the number of passing yards for Jared Goff or the millions of dollars on the next Manny Machado contract, which one was higher. Like you could make that bet. That was a literal thing that you could bet. There was one I've never seen before. The over under on the Jersey number of whoever scores the first touchdown.
3: That's in the week. The
0: over under is 27 and a half. So see so figure who your favorite player is or, yeah. you know, who you expect to make that first touchdown. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's weird because you think the quarterbacks are all going to be under that. Clearly, if they were to to run it in for whatever reason, the running backs backs are are going to be under that sometimes. Right around there, yeah. Um, I mean, Sony Michelle was twenty six, and he's the only one who scored a touchdown. So he he would have been the under. I've never seen that prop bet before.
3: There was a a bet that somebody made at the South Point in Vegas. That the Rams would only score three points in the first half. He bet two hundred and fifty dollars on that prop bet. He won. The odds were four hundred to one. He walked out of there with a hundred thousand dollars. That is a
0: pretty good deal.
3: I don't have the cojones to put any real money into prop bets.
0: No, you got to have money to blow. You've,
3: exactly, you've got to have money you don't even care about.
0: And then some of that stuff, you've got to bet a thousand to win a hundred or something like that. And those just seem way yeah. Those seem <laughs> highly. Um, inappropriate is probably the right word
3: maroon 5 got a lot of heat online uh it was just kind of like uh your everyday maroon 5 concert really except of the tank top well there's and then and then taking off the tank top i mean it was what 15 years ago that janet jackson got in trouble
0: for the the nipple nipple and you got to see both of uh both of Adam Levine's. He's not the only one who's done a top. I didn't flee. Take a shirt off when the when the Red Hot Chili Peppers did their. I don't understand of
3: it? the decision to take the shirt off.
0: What are you talking about? You don't understand the decision. He's been working out for months to do that. Yeah, and I'm sure he would say something along the lines of "It was just spur of the moment." So he just, just wants attention. It, he just. Well, want... You you seen the tattoos that he had? Yes, my he wife texted a me this morning. Butterfly
3: tattoo. Well, that's a different choice. He if got you, paid.
0: To have girls look at him without his shirt on. That's why they were doing that show.
3: If you decide or it crosses your mind that you want to get a butterfly tattoo, Mm -hmm. is that a discussion that we can all have before you do it?
0: Would you talk me out of it? Is that what you're saying? Or you just want to make sure that... I'd
3: make a strong case against it.
0: Or it would be a sign that there's something else going on and you want to to drill down to that. That as well. Um, Does that apply to all of us or just Gary? All of you. No, Blake. Yeah, if you need a butterfly on top of that. Um, the other thing about it, I, the review I saw of it was, uh, Maroon five was fine. They were fine. Like it, they weren't great. There was no message, by the way. Remember we were concerned on Friday that Adam Levine was going to have some giant message in the context of Colin Kaepernick and standing up for racial equality. There was nothing. No. Uh, unless my wife's theory is. It's written in the tattoos, no, like the TV he, show Blind Spot. I
3: read a write-up of it today. I guess they had lanterns, and they wrote words on every lantern, like faith, love, unity, character.
0: That's the message? It,
3: those are the messages.
0: It was fine.
3: It was fine. It wasn't, it wasn't Bruno Mars. It wasn't
0: Bruno Mars. It wasn't Prince. Yeah. It wasn't even, it wasn't Lady Gaga. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, it's a
3: pretty guy who got half naked on national television. That's what it was. I mean, I didn't I didn't understand the decision to take off that tank top, although it was a hideous tank top. And if if you haven't seen the BuzzFeed article, we'll post it. Uh 22 things that look like Adam Levine's tank oh, yeah. top and it seems like everybody in America has a pillow or curtains that are the same pattern as Adam Levine's tank
0: top. And then once he takes the tank top off, everybody said he looked like a Chipotle bag. Yes. <laughs> it's hilarious. As well, now a lot of the uh, a lot of the post game stuff was interesting including cbs immediately after the game trying to get that interview with tom brady
3: well it, it... Tracy you, Wolfson, I,
0: you have at least been in her position in terms yes. of grabbing somebody after a game.
3: I met her this season. She's great. She's sweet. She's real tiny. She's about five feet tall. Which, if right? you
0: didn't see, if you didn't know that before, that was made it's perfectly evident. Yes, abundantly clear. Yesterday.
3: Yeah, I think so. She, you get the walk-off interview at the game. It's, it's what you do as a sideline reporter. And you know what? Sometimes it doesn't go the way it's supposed to go. Sometimes uh, Melvin Ingram. Uh, says it was an effing dogfight, and you've got a you. You've just sent that out to the entire Chargers network. Right. Sometimes you go up to Joey Bosa and you say, "Hey, how how did it feel to get the win in Pittsburgh?" And he says, "I don't want to talk to you right now." I mean, these things happen. It's it's live radio. You're dealing with athletes, and this is a Super Bowl situation. So Tracy goes up to Tom Brady. This is going to be her interview. It's already all fixed. You tell the PR people who you want to interview. Obviously, right. she's going to interview Tom Brady. So Brady knows it. She knows it. But he was completely swarmed by everybody with a camera. And she's getting kind of crushed. And she's trying to get his attention. But he's talking to Robert Kraft. And it it was just a delay. But CBS stayed with it. They stayed with the picture of Brady. And I think that was right for them to stay with it, even though she had to wait for a minute and a half. And it felt kind of long when we were watching at home. You stay with it because it... It paints the picture. It was real. It was real. It was
0: a real reaction to what was going on. It was a. It was a. Uh, you know, unfortunately for them, it made for odd programming, but it was truly the real um, impact, I guess, of, of the the outcome of the game. And that was there was no better way for them to handle that. What they're going to do? Cut away from her? Right. Are they going to cut away from what, what, that?
3: What are you going to show other other than Tom Brady in this moment?
0: And, and are you going to show
3: uh, Jared Goff crying? Are you going to show? <laughs> What?
0: <laughs> dead eyes crying? Right. Now she did also. I mean, she kind of backed away and let that kind, that scene sort yeah. of play out in front it's of her like, too. It's
3: I'm, I'm going to compare it to Vin Scully, but Vin would often just allow the crowd noise to tell the story, and yeah. I think that's what CBS was doing. And there's there was no way they would have pulled away from that
0: best post-game soundbite was from andrew whitworth yes. at the end of the uh,
2: at the end of the game you're not going to get me to pout and, and feel sorry for myself uh i realize what this game means i cherish the crap out of it and i don't give a crap if you have a hall of fame bust if you're you know been a pro bowler or win 20 super bowls oh. at the end of the day you're all gonna die and you're all gonna <laughs> have the opportunity to be, play football or not be playing football Love, that was the speech
3: I, I, I needed that. to hear after the 49ers lost the Super Bowl. <laughs> At
5: the end of the day, you're all going to die. That's Like, it. it's,
3: do- it's just a game just a in game. 2019. We're
5: all going to be We're all going to end point.
3: up dead.
0: Uh, when we come back, uh, Andy Field's going to join us. We're going to get an update on what's going on with Governor Ralph Northam of Virginia. Apparently, he had a meeting with some very high-up cabinet members today and said he does not want to leave office now because then he'll be branded a racist for the rest of his life.
3: I have a follow-up question to your Super Bowl party. You okay? why did you bring into the office two like five pound bags of um peanut butter m M&M, or peanut M and skittles
0: because they weren't all consumed and I do not need those in my house I
3: do not need those in our space
0: maybe we use them to barter for something oh. of, of quality here in the office okay
3: so I bet Brian suits uh fresh eggs in our Super Bowl bet
5: I don't
0: Oh, he said it was going to end in a three nothing tie. He
3: did, and I bet him against that, oh. and I am I my bet was for fresh eggs. Blake said, "What are we doing? Going back 200 years? You're betting for eggs?"
0: <laughs> fresh eggs and a chicken. Gary and Shannon will continue. We'll give away $1000. Tell you how you can win it when we come back.
2: Ooh. Nah, nah, yeah. Don't act like you know me, like you know me. Nah, nah, yeah. I am not your homie, not your homie. Nah, nah, yeah. Don't act like you know me, like you know me.
0: We get into our story about the governor of Virginia. We got a thousand dollars we can give away. Here's how you can win it: Win a thousand dollars right now.
1: Text the nationwide keyword "bank." to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's bank to 200-200.
0: If you win, they'll give you a call, but you got to answer the phone. If you don't win, they'll move on to somebody who does pick up. Uh, you got another chance to win next hour during the John and Ken show on every hour through the first hour of the Conway show, giving away $1,000 an hour here on KFI.
3: Well, it is nuts in Richmond, Virginia at the state house. Hundreds of protesters taking to the streets to call for the governor to resign this all over an old yearbook photo and maybe a dance contest.
0: Oh, boy. Uh, Andy Field is in Richmond, Virginia, to give us a, a view of what's going on. Andy, how's it going?
2: Well, it's been a weird day because the, uh, the state house and the legislature is doing business as usual. They, they have a, a short session where they have to pass a bunch of bills and a bunch of laws, and they're still grinding away through that there. Uh, It is a Republican-controlled statehouse, but the governor is Democratic, the lieutenant governor is a Democrat, and the attorney general is a Democrat. And the reason I'm bringing up the attorney general is there is a scenario here where he could become the next governor because if the governor resigns and the lieutenant governor now seems to be embroiled in some uh, accusations of sexual misconduct, which would bring us down to the attorney general to be governor here. I mean, this is – this is uh, it's, it's almost as if a political meteorite hit the city and the whole place is smoldering.
0: Sure. Uh, what happened in this meeting that the governor called with some cabinet members
2: today? We're told what happened was is that he was basically pleading for them to give him more time to clear his name, saying that he's not a racist, that most of the people who know him, even Republicans – never thought that of him, but then these pictures surfaced of him. At first he admitted that it was either him in blackface or wearing a a Klansman sheet and hood from a yearbook when he was in medical school back in the 1980s. The next day he said, no, that's not him at all. He wasn't in there. He has no idea how it got into his yearbook page. Uh, But he did say, you know, the reason I know that is that I remember putting – black and makeup on my face to for Michael Jackson contest and doing the moonwalk, which didn't seem to help his case much at all. And so now we're at the situation where he says it's not him. He's not a racist. uh, But virtually the entire Democratic and Republican establishment are telling him he's got to go.
3: And he told his staff he needs time to figure out if he's going to step down or not. Or he's been asking people for advice on if it's a It's viable for him to stay in that seat?
2: I think the bottom line here is from what we've been told is that he does not want to leave this office as a racist for life. He wants to clear his name. He said that this is a huge misunderstanding. But, you know, now we're into day four of this here and it's only gotten worse, not better. And it's not clear what he can do at this point to get the confidence back of voters here in Virginia. His his approval rating dropped somewhere, somewhere near forty points over the weekend, which is unprecedented.
0: Well, <laughs> one of
3: my uh, my favorite parts of that press conference yesterday was when he said uh, he was talking about putting blackface on because he wants to emulate a singer that he just loves, and then and then Forget couldn't remember name. Michael Jackson's name. And then said, now, I only put a little shoe polish on my face because, as you all know, when you're putting shoe polish on your face, it's hard to get it off. Like,
2: we've are all, like we <laughs> all done it. Everyone knows that. It's hard. Uh, well, the, the best part of that news conference was when he said he, he was doing it for a moonwalking contest, Michael Jackson's famous dance move back in the 80s. And a reporter, I almost jokingly said, can you still do the moonwalk? And it looked for a moment that he was going to step out in front of the podium and do it until his wife said, oh, no, my wife says inappropriate for this moment.
0: Well, yeah, listen, it's, it's she no wins craft. in this whole scenario. She wins, if not if for nothing else, preventing him from doing the moonwalk because he could have just kept going right outside the, the, yeah, the governor's mansion you, at that
2: I, point. I don't know how you recover from no. that.
3: Oh, but I I mean what could have been, guys, that would have been great to have that footage.
0: Andy, thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you. Andy Field there, latest in uh what's going on in Richmond, Virginia. I, I still I still say by the end of uh by the end of business today, or I should say by the end of the day. So that'll give me until midnight Virginia time. He's out. Uh, I just don't think he can he can survive this.
3: Well, coming up next, Liam Neeson is doing some Media interviews for uh his latest film called Cold Pursuit, and he overshared uh, an episode from his life, and now people are calling on him to be banned from the Oscars and the like for for his behavior.
0: Can you come back from this? I mean, we're talking I about think, Governor Ralph Northam I think in, you a, in can a way.
3: If you remove race from the equation. I I don't know if it's about, I don't think it's about race. I think it's about the primal feeling you have when somebody you love is hurt.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. We'll talk about that when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue.
4: Follow me into the door.
0: big stories that we're going to keep our eyes on include the State of the Union address coming up tomorrow night. have seen a bunch of people who are going to be invited, guests that are going to be in the gallery, including a woman who made headlines when she confronted Jeff Flake in an elevator. She's been invited as a guest oh, for wow. the gallery.
3: Okay. Uh, El Chapo's jury is deliberating, deciding the uh, federal drug trafficking case. Against El Chapo.
0: About uh, 20 minutes from now, the NTSB is expected to hold a news conference to uh, explain what they know so far about that Cessna, that twin-engine plane that went down in Yorba Linda yesterday, killing five people, the pilot, and then four people in a, in a house on the ground that it slammed into. I'm
3: having a meatball withdrawals from those meatballs your wife made. Okay.
0: Well, I don't know. Michelle brought in some meatballs for us.
3: Oh, she did. That's right.
0: They're not the same. They're different. different But they're
3: meatballs.
0: They are meatballs. If you want, they're cold right now, but they're in the fridge if you want to go get them. Okay. Liam Neeson is making headlines. His name has been trending today for a reason that I don't think I would have expected. He's
3: doing PR media interviews for his latest film, Cold Pursuit. It's a typical Liam Neeson movie, right?
0: He has to go find somebody who did that thing to that person and exact revenge. Yes. What we didn't know about Liam Neeson, perhaps, is that this story of avenging someone else's victimization is something that played out in his real life. Side note, not sure it's the best parenting move, but my wife and daughter and I sat and watched Taken on Saturday night in an attempt to prove to my daughter she should always listen to what her father says and also to give some sort of visual evidence to the idea that I would go to the ends of the earth to protect her. Granted, it's a fake story, but you get it. Now, Liam Neeson says in an interview that there is a primal thing that happens to people. He
3: said he learned about the rape of someone close to him many years ago, and that he roamed the streets for a week afterwards, carrying with him a weapon and brutal racist thoughts. And he he stumbled into this story when he was doing press for the movie because he's explaining how his latest character turns to anger. And like you said, he said there's something primal. God forbid you've ever had a member of your family hurt under criminal conditions. And then he kind of took a minute, he hesitated, he's in a moment of thought, and then he says, I'll tell you a story, this is true.
0: So he had just come back overseas to find out about this rape. She, whoever this family member is, cl- person close to him, she handled the situation of the rape in the most extraordinary way. But my immediate reaction was, I asked, did she know who it was? No. What color were they? She said it was a black person. And his res- this is the part that got him into trouble. Or raised eyebrows. He says, I went up and down areas with a cosh, just a like a, a billy club, hoping I'd be approached by somebody. I'm ashamed to say that. And I did it for maybe a week, hoping some, and then he uses finger quotes, black bastard would come out of a pub and have a go at me about something, you know, so that I could, pause, kill him.
3: He said, it took me a week, maybe a week and a half to go through that. She would say, where are you going? And I would say, I'm just going out for a walk. You know, what's wrong? No, no, nothing's wrong.
0: Now, he... He said the, it
3: was horrible and horrible when he thinks back that he did that.
0: Yeah. And he says, I've never admitted to that. I'm saying this to a journalist, God forbid. The co-star who's sitting beside him. Holy S. Like, what are you saying? He
3: says, it's awful, but I, I, I did... Learn a lesson from it. And when I eventually thought, what the F are you doing, you know?
0: Now, listen, does this make him a racist?
3: I think that, well, in my opinion, if she, if the woman had told him it was a, a, a white guy with a beard, I think he would have taken to the streets with a weapon looking for a white guy with a beard. Yes. I think it was just the idea that somebody close to him was violated like this was 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 went through this and he was powerless, I think that it really does stir up something, an anger in, in all of us. When somebody that, that is close to you has been wronged, has been um, raped, you know, uh, I think that you, you do have an anger that you might not be able to get away from over
0: it. The writer for this piece, for The Independent, actually went to a, uh, an experimental psychologist in University of College London, and didn't say anything about Liam Neeson told me this story, just said, I heard a story, what does this say about the person? And this psychologist said, listen, something like that, along what you were saying, the the, the rage that you get when someone tells you that they've been victimized in a way like this can shape the way someone thinks about a specific community. But he says, it's not. Ju- this is not a race thing. That's the only identifier that Liam Neeson had to go off of So, yes, he was in that instant looking for somebody of a specific race to pay the price for something that happened to his loved one. But that that doesn't mean it might have been a young person. It could have been an old person. It could have been, like you said, somebody with a beard or a redhead. And those those would have been the targets of his anger. And Liam Neeson even says in the interview, listen, this is awful. He used the words awful, horrible to think back that he was doing that, that he had that mentality. I've
3: heard this story before from somebody that you and I both know, Kermit Alexander. Kermit Alexander was a star in the NFL, and he was uh, from South L.A. His mother lived in South L.A. there with his, uh, his sister and his nephew, if I'm not mistaken. And there were some gang members that busted into the house one night when they were all sleeping and murdered the whole family. Uh, the problem was it was the wrong address. It was going to be a retribution for uh, another gang murder. And these guys were told to go to this address and and kill everyone. And they went to the wrong address. And they killed Kermit Alexander's entire family, his mother, his his sister, his nephew, I believe. And he told me that after that, he roamed the streets armed looking for whoever did this to his family. And for a long time, he did that. Because he wanted to, because he couldn't not do it. There, you know, it, it the, the feeling takes over for you. Like, I'm so helpless. I was so helpless when my family needed me and I wasn't there. And the anger is just inescapable.
0: A friend of mine said that his uh, his wife told him one time about a sexual assault that she was the victim of. And... He struggles to this day. I mean, this was years ago. Oh, yeah. 20 years ago or something like that that, that she told him. He struggles to this day with the uh, the availability of information on the Internet. Oh, yeah, to go find where, him and kill him. Right. Like yeah. you have no idea how that has impacted. And, again, it was before he met his wife. He had nothing. He couldn't have prevented it from happening, and you know, ever. It wasn't like a mis- he was missing or what. You know, He could not have prevented it. Yeah. But the fact that he knows that his wife was victimized in that way still haunts him to this day. And they're a perfect marriage. I mean, it's fine. Is hey, no, it makes fine?
3: sense. It makes sense.
0: Um, but he's getting—he's uh, Liam Neeson's getting a lot of uh, a lot of flack for this because of this admission that he went through a very dark time dealing with pain and anger and doing—and admittedly, doing it incorrectly. He knows that that's not the way he should have dealt with his pain and his anger. Uh, there's an ESPN story we got to get to. You may know the name Adnan Virk, one of these young up and coming guys on ESPN.
3: You know he just signed a deal, a seven figure deal.
0: Pretty good deal. Holy and, and, hell! I, he's fine. I mean, he's he's a lot of their baseball coverage. Uh, he's in one of the in studio guys. So we'll talk about what's going on with this guy and why it is that he is suing, uh, or at least planning to sue ESPN. Gary, Gary and Shane. Shannon, that's us.
3: Yep. They like Shannon, well, who knows how long this governor of Virginia is going to hang on to the governor's seat. But what, what's the over under on that 24 hours?
0: Uh, I don't know. If you, I don't even think that long. By midnight Virginia time, I think he's out. Uh, so whatever that would be the nine to seven hours from now. Like that.
3: Government preparing to begin construction of more border walls and fencing in South Texas's Rio Grande Valley because they are saying there is heavy construction equipment that has shown up today. This is on federally owned land, but it's been set aside as wildlife refuge property. Hmm. And a, p- a photo posted by the nonprofit National Butterfly Center. Shows an excavator park next to its property.
0: They also oh, posted by, a picture of uh, of Adam Levine, didn't they?
3: Oh, by the way, Heather uh, wrote, "Hey, Shannon, and I literally have a butterfly tattoo I got when I was 20.
0: Yeah, but no, no, but no. Your no. name's Heather. Women. Yeah, your, your name's, name's Heather. Heather. Dude, You're talking know. about a dude.
3: I don't think a yeah. I mean, listen, I'm not here to hate on Adam Levine's <laughs> tattoos. I just thought it was an interesting choice.
0: He's got a, he had a, he made a lot of interesting choices. Uh, Adnan Verk. Uh, guy works for sorry guy worked for ESPN long time doing um, baseball tonight stuff. He's hosted SportsCenter a handful of times as well. Bunch of different roles that he played for ESPN. He's out. He's out He on Friday. They did that. Uh, they did the perp walk where they marched him to his desk, made him clean it out, gave him the one box and said, never come back. Oh, hand over your company cell phone. Now there were some questions about a leak supposedly the website awful announcing yeah uh posted stories about Sunday night baseball yeah, that said, Major League Baseball and and ESPN had been working on
3: It said uh, contrary to popular conjecture baseball tonight will not be coming back as a daily program and the the story included that MLB gave ground here in part due to some horse trading with ESPN that allowed the network to televise Fewer baseball-focused studio programming in exchange for moving Sunday night baseball an hour earlier. Just basically, this is all about contract talks between MLB and ESPN. What baseball programming are are they going to run? And the league wants you to run X, Y, and Z. And ESPN wants to run whatever they want to run. And there's compromising that goes on just like any other media agreement. Well, ESPN found out that he was leaking those contract negotiations to awful announcing or his media buddies or whatever
0: now there was there was a conference call that did take place and the, the like you were saying this this um discussion between mlb and espn but he wasn't on the conference call the entire time they figured out after the conference call he calls his boss and starts asking specific questions about the direction of baseball at espn when it comes to the scheduling and I guess the answers to those questions are basically what appears in the article on awful announcing. Like exactly the same order and in the same context that he was asking the questions, that was the information. Now, the writer for awful announcing isn't saying anything. He says, I can't comment on the sourcing of any particular story that we've done. Adnan Verk didn't want to comment, at least not to the New York Post. Spokesman for ESPN didn't want to comment other than to say he doesn't work here anymore. That's it. Now, Adnan Verk's side of the story basically is that he didn't get any sort of warning that the punishment did not fit the crime here. That the the expectation was that if he was going to get caught doing something like this, he was going to get a two week suspension or maybe a month off without pay, whatever it was, but not that he would be fired. But
3: it's it's then
0: again you can't.
3: It's the it's ESPN trying to make a case or make an example out of him. Yeah. So. Is it just this or is there anything else? I think he there's got to be more than gotta that. There's got to be more. I mean
0: – Because he signed, was good at what he did he for ESPN.
3: seven-figure deal. Yeah,
0: four-year contract worth seven figures. So the, the plan being that he is, you know, he's an up-and-comer. He was good at what he did. They thought enough of him to keep him on for four years just a couple of months ago, I guess. So – but at this time, no severance, nothing. You screw the company like that, especially the giant that is ESPN – And uh, they'll send Mickey Mouse after you just like that. So there you go. Uh, Okay, so the bets now. We do believe uh, the governor of Virginia is going to resign. I do. I think the governor of Virginia is going to resign. I think it's going to happen today.
3: One of the things we're going to do tomorrow on True Crime Tuesday is tell you the story of a a cold case, nearly 40-year-old cold case that has been solved thanks to DNA the way it was used to catch the Golden State Killer, basically, using these, these websites, these DNA websites. It's an odd story. We talked a little bit about the Ted Bundy tapes on Netflix, and a lot of people had forgotten that he had escaped. Well, this guy escaped as well after a number of crimes, and we'll tell you about that coming up tomorrow.
0: Gary and will con- uh well, we won't continue. No, we have done. to go. John, John and look Ken. at John
3: and Ken. They're right there. They're banging on the
0: door. They're coming up next.
3: <laughs> Good Lord. Guys, guys, guys.
0: Go get some meatballs.
3: It's almost your turn.
0: Gary and Shannon.
3: Cool your heels.
0: See you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. Blessings.
3: Well, that's all the time we have. Join us next time on
2: Gary and Shannon.